Fitz. Channel 99. You're listening to the best of Ron and Fitz on Raw Dog Comedy Hits. Channel 99. The Ron and Fez Show presents the funniest people of all time. This is international man of comedy, Russell Peters, and Washington's own Joe Coy. show russell peters is sitting in with us today he's going to be a good night comedy club february 6th through 9th and then zany's comedy club in nashville february 13th through 16th but that's not enough for you people fez we got more joe coy is here and he will be playing levity live in west nyack tonight 7 30 show Good to see you, Joe. Thanks for coming in, buddy. Thanks for having me. Just uh, uh, Russell's here. You guys go back a ways? I love Russell. Uh-huh. We do. We actually live around the corner from each other, Is that too. right? Yeah. Sometimes I'll when just... I'm not home, he brings his kid by and they go swimming. <laughs> yeah. Sounds dangerous. And then he comes home off the road and it's like, hey, we're in the pool <laughs> and your fridge is empty. <laughs> That's so. What is this? The comedy neighborhood that you guys are? Well, pretty much. It's a very comedic together? neighborhood. It is, actually. <laughs> is there other comics that live in the who neighborhood? Who does live in our area? Uh, who else is over there? Uh, God, there's a ton of us. No, yeah. there's not. If we can't think of any more, there's probably no more. No, there are. There, there's a few. Malcolm Jamal Warner lives on my street. Is that right? Mm-hmm. I've never seen him. I've seen him once. Do, do you go, and Adrian, Leo? No. And Adrian Barbeau lives on my street. That's fucking fantastic. Wow. I've seen her once, too. She still looks good. She probably good. still looks good. I was yeah, say, I would. Yeah. I still would. You can't sure. lose that. Yeah, Yeah. no, those don't go well. You can no, lose no. it. But, uh, I mean, you can, but that's canceled. I wouldn't expect her to. Yeah. Yeah. Joe, how old's your kid? My son's 10, man. Is, that's, uh, that's the good age? Or is yeah, that's the age? best age. He's playing yeah. basketball now, too. How good is he? He's really good. And I live vicariously through him because mm-hmm. I didn't play any sports. They say that's healthy for a parent. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm the good I'm the good sports dad. Yeah. I shut up, I let the coach do his thing. Right. I just I love watching him. Like I, I start to cry a little bit, like, wow, this is crazy. Well, cry, but yeah, yeah. good. Kids will turn you into a big homo right away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they do. There's something just watching him do it. Yeah. It's just like, man, this is beautiful. And then I go, Where was my dad when I wanted to play sports? <laughs> But, it, yeah, it's really cute, man. He did good yesterday. Four points and uh, one assist. Now, that is the weird thing, that when you have kids, it makes you think about the way you were parented at the yeah. same time. Yeah. The way my, our parents were. Yeah, the way our parents were. Yeah. I buy my son stuff, and then I just sit there and go, my dad didn't get me shit. <laughs> I never you know got I mean? anything. I, I, my, I, I look at all the stuff my kid gets. Yeah. I, it's funny, because I don't buy my kid things that she wants. I buy my kid things that I would have wanted. Exactly. <laughs> at that same age? Same yeah. thing. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that would have been cool. Yeah. When I take my son to Toys R Us, we're going to Toys R Us. <laughs> it's like, we're both getting these toys. You I, want a PS4? So does dad. <laughs> We're spending time together with this game. Exactly. (laughs) We're bonding. (laughs) It is the weirdest thing. Now, being a comic, are both your kids, have they seen the act? Do they? Mine's only three. Yeah. She just points and goes, Daddy. Yeah. But at a certain point, don't you think it's weird 
for a kid to see that people come to see their dad talk. Yeah, I don't you know, know if they understand that. I don't yeah. think your daughter does yet. No, but I mean, my son does. He gets it. No, but like it's it, some, but it's still got to not really resonate with him. Kind of like it's got to be like, yeah, it's been the way, that way since I've been a kid since yeah. I was born. The, my 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 uh my my routine is basically based on him. So mm-hmm. everyone at, at his school and his teachers watch the stuff. Oh, that's so everyone cool. knows him. Like they call him Ting Ting. They say all this stuff, <laughs> and, 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 and he kind of he's kind of like living this this little uh, celebrity life, you know, because everyone knows that. He's part of his dad's routine. Is he going to private school? Yeah, he's going to private school. Oh, Jesus. By the way, have you seen Russell's kid? Gorgeous. Of course. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Gorgeous. I'm not going to think Russell's going to have a pig for a kid. I don't, want Russell, not... I don't want Russell to think he had anything to do with it. It's true. Yeah. I got lucky. But I don't also think This that... came out of my balls. Oh, that... Can you believe that? Yeah. Look at that baby. You know, this is the only thing I, I ever want to see that came out of your balls. <laughs> but th- Fez, really, look at that kid. Yeah, look at the kid, Fez. Oh, I got to press the button. Oh. Push the bottom yeah. button. Beautiful. Fez didn't even see anything. Fez didn't even see anything. He's lying. looking at your hand. Jesus we just Christ. saw Fez lie. Fez. Aw. Right? Adorable. Yeah, yes. right. By the way, Fez, I, I love the same outfit. Yeah, yeah. I loved you in the Doritos commercials in the seventies. Oh, really? <laughs> I usually get the Pringles, man. Is that what it is? I don't know if Fez was in the Doritos commercial or his mustache was. <laughs> the mustache is actually gaining fame for him so much. I like that it's two toned. Yeah. Well, you you got to be a special person to wear a mustache in pictures. Like yeah. In pictures, it looks great. It, it shows up like a street reflector. Right, yeah, like a yeah. beam Here's of light. Thing, like a beam of light. He, he, something actually happened to your face, right? Yeah, I, I passed out in the sun in Florida mm-hmm. with no protection. I'm just going to just say this because not everyone remembers these, but Rufinals. All right, so now <laughs> we're back. Well, usually okay. the people on them don't remember them. Yeah, yeah. no, that is true. Or that decade. But... When you, in the hot Florida sun, my face went to one side, and this side got fried, sunburned, uh, blistered over, and lost the pigment down half of my face. That's why the mustache grows in. That's why it's white? Wow. Yeah, that's why so, it's pure white. Now, before that, there used to be these like white blotches on your face that used to, yeah. they used to bother you. How'd you fix you. that? He didn't. It just no. kind of... It, it rege- kind of faded. You're like yeah. a lizard. You're regenerated. He really is <laughs> like a lizard. But... The weird thing is now that happens to his hair, which is kind of... Just I don't on the, know, I would on the right side. Very, very yeah. interesting. Yeah, isn't Didn't it? Didn't know you could change DNA like that. With he a, really is an X-Man. It is that's amazing. That's amazing. Way. No yeah. power. It's just... No, no, just no. need to change hair no. color. Just the power it's a magical of a conversation mustache. mustache. <laughs> yeah. A magical yeah. mustache. I, I think of curiosity was the Magical mustache, right. It's like the Beatles. The magical mustache tour. What's that? The magical mustache tour, like the Beatles did. But you... I don't think it's even easy to grow that kind of a mustache. I mean, I don't think most. I don't think like I could grow one that long. Could I? You, when they you stop, can't. You can. You just don't because it would get annoying. Fez, yeah. Usually when people like grow for you, I mean for me too. Yeah. Usually when people grow mustaches like that, their names are Doc, and they're really good with guns. <laughs> yes, that's a good point, Jeff. <laughs> I'm neither. And the, and, the, and the bright white side actually grows more than the other side. So you're saying the dark side's lazy. I get it, Fez. Oh, 
racism. I, you know what? I thought I hit it well enough. <laughs> yeah, there's racism in the mustache. Facial hair. Yeah. 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 And the My white side. So hair. efficient. Yeah. The dark side. You know what? It <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> you know, it, it takes a comic to bring up these social issues <laughs> that society is not ready to deal with right now. How is it, so, it grows faster on that side. It grows thicker, longer, and faster. All right, yeah. let's oh, not yeah. take away from the dark side. All right. But see, the thing the is... The opposite of sports. Yeah. Right. And at one point, the white side will eventually get to the moon. Yeah. Uh, That's right. yes. But the left side of his mustache is really good with sports. Yeah. True. Very good with sports. Really good with sports. Yeah. Yeah, that's the side I watch sports with. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? This could we said it was a superpower. It could be two face by yeah. the time yeah. you have a personality on each side. Yeah, it's all, yeah. One of the guys down the hall actually suggested last Halloween. You really should go as two face. And I'm like, have you seen Two Face? He has a side of his face that is just melted off, and that's what you see when you see me. <laughs> That's well, not your friend, by the way. If no, we ever said that, friend, you know, if we had met you yeah. when your face had melted off, maybe. It's a good point. Who is this friend? You know says. what? Joe is right. Says you pick your friends, don't let them pick you. Yeah, okay. Thank you. From this point on, stop Thank hanging you. out with these people, Fez. Good advice you from know, Joe Coy. You're let's, welcome. Let's <laughs> let's walk Joe and Russell down the hall and confront this asshole. Yeah, let's do it. No, yeah. don't let Russell confront anybody yeah. because he'll punch him and then get sued. <laughs> Ask him. When's the last time you hit somebody, Russell? God, two years uh, ago. Punch a guy in front of the Laugh Factory. A receptionist. Oh, it was December? No, this is the last time. He said the last time. Oh, it was Russell. Big. The thing is, you look at Russell and you're like, oh yeah, easy computer right. geek. I can Wait, fight this guy. Whoa, whoa, he knows nothing about computers. <laughs> Nothing about nothing about Dell customer service. True. None but of a the lot stereotypes. About boxing, right? yeah. But you know what he can do? Knock the shit out of you. It's true. I I swear. He, this guy fights and he doesn't know his own strength. Why don't you know your own strength? I know no, he it. knows his own strength. He just I'm very familiar it. with he it. He tests it on people that don't have strength, like me. Hey, you wanted to wrestle. Yeah. Okay, let's not say that live on the show. <laughs> yeah. so he was saying I did jujitsu. I said I did jujitsu. Then we yeah, were. Yeah, but I didn't know you really do jujitsu. <laughs> I, I, I just watch UFC occasionally. This guy's so got me in a fucking chicken wing like, on his what bed. Thing? What? Oh, okay, again that thing. Oh. You gotta. You put up a good struggle. He's on like, it. Joe, tap. I'm like, you got my arms <laughs> inside my asshole. <laughs> How am I gonna tap, Russ? You Popsicle Joe. I, Joe, I feel like you've been holding this inside for a while. Oh, <laughs> and I'm glad we this can bring is, you uh, on the people's court. That was <laughs> a, so hard. He has a, a mannequin in his living room. It's a, it's a man, a real man. Yes. And then he just punches it. For no reason. Well, he's 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 training. He's I just a like to get it out. Wow, yeah. wow. You know, it's you want to. You don't want it in you. Yeah. And then he and then he punches me. Well, you got to stay out. I'm not the mannequin. You're you training with Benson Henderson now. No, I was just there. <laughs> you made it look like this is what you're doing. Ah, it's called acting. <laughs> oh. No, it's Instagram thing. And scene. scene. <laughs> Joe Coy is in studio with us playing Levity Live in West Nyack tonight for a 7.30 show. You better get in tonight because yeah. this weekend thing is That's covered. You guys yeah. can call in. Are you guys and adding shows show. or what? Yeah. <laughs> and that's Chris Mazzilli's club. The guy yes. that owns Gotham Comedy Club. Yeah, Open great levity. people. Great right. people. That's a great fun people. fact. That's fun a fact. fact. <laughs> a lot of people don't know. That's seriously. You know what? This, this. Hey, one thing about Jeff. Good facts. You know, yep. Jeff is like it's like a pop-up video show. I love that. That's what we're doing in here. 
Absolutely. I just want everyone to know Mazzilli owns that. Back to you, Ron. Hey, uh, great, Apple iPhone. Who the fuck is Mazzilli? Don't worry about it. Just let you know he owns it. Back to you, guys. Back to the mustache. And Russell Peters would be at Good Night's Comedy Club. I have oh. no idea who owns that. Well, you let know, me uh, tell you. Was it Charlie? Yeah. It's Charlie. It used to be Charlie, uh, to be Charlie Good Nights. And what happened, Charlie? said good night good night <laughs> well it's something i remember when kentucky fried chicken between kfc yeah i you used to work at kentucky fried chicken is that right mm -hmm. but you can't give long enough names to people now they just you just confuse them but so, to, to be old school on the buckets they put kentucky fried chicken on some oh i didn't know yeah. you know in canada it used to be scott, it used to be bucket. called scott's chicken villa that's how we asked to answer the phone <laughs> scott's chicken villa i'm not Seriously? making this up scott's chicken villa and then but on side it would say scott's chicken villa Kentucky Fried Chicken. Hilarious. So now, they were just, they were buying Kentucky Fried Chicken Scott, and then selling it under Scott. No, no, it was Kentucky Fried Chicken, but Scott's Chickenville, I guess, was the parent company in Canada. That's like saying you're going to Krispy Kremes and you're just going to a gas station that sells Krispy Kremes. <laughs> yeah, it's the same. It's not the, it's not the same. Somebody was running Why across the border. Why does my donut taste like unleaded? <laughs> this is petroleum <laughs> jelly. <laughs> this isn't jelly donuts. Yeah, it's petroleum. <laughs> Fez? And then I mean, that was it. Was a fun How about that? Yeah, everybody thought Jeffrey was coming with gold, and then we're like. <laughs> <laughs> Good nights, uh, February 6th through the 9th, and then Zany's Comedy Club, owned by Chuck Zany in Nashville, Chuck Tennessee. <laughs> but what I love, Fezzy, is that you just picked it up from where you were interrupted. Yeah. And yeah. did not restart it. You just went, Good nights, yeah. Comedy Club. Yep. Fez? I knew that part. I wanted to make sure I got the dates out. Yeah. The mustache keeps him on point. There are no road hazards in his in his no. street. Nothing. No. Fez, how long has the mustache been out there? The mustache is a year and two months old. Oh, so it's not even that old. Yes. 14 months. Yeah. It's a baby. You don't want yeah, to trim it to even it out or anything? or No, I just want to see how it's going to go. I like how it's growing into your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> what? <laughs> you ever make out with somebody and they, and they go like, your teeth no, are fuzzy? No, he didn't. I've never made out with anyone, Fez, Russell. Fez, he's Fez. never been with anyone. Fez, Nobody. Have no. you ever Male, ate with female, your friends? Nothing. nothing. No. Yeah, I know. Have you, ever, have you ever went out with your friends and said, something's in my mouth, and they go, it's your fucking mustache. Yeah. There's a hair in my food. Constantly. Constantly. I now have to work with, I now have to drink with straws. Russell just like slipped in the, is he gay without asking with the men, women, anything? <laughs> <laughs> he did a really Very casual. Very casual. Uh, yes. Nothing. Nope. Yes, but that, see, I'm going to ask you guys. But photosynthesis is phenomenal. <laughs> but, but here's the thing about Fez that, yes. I, I, that we debate all the time. He is, in his mind, he came out as gay, yet he still hasn't dated men or women. Yeah, so it doesn't really make you gay at that that's point. That's what I, I think. It just makes you asexual. Him. Yeah. That just no, makes I'm you gay. a person. Right. That's you. You're just a person right now. You're right Fez? now, you're a person. You're not. Wait. So when you when you decide what you are, you're not a person anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a person. No, there's no, no label. He's just a human. Right. Attached to a mustache. Yeah, yeah right. Exactly. He's a humanoid. Yeah. He's a humanoid. All right. This is taking <laughs> an ugly turn. But I was he... given really nice plugs too. <laughs> no, the plug, the plug You've was... given no plugs to nobody ever. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. You plugged nothing. <laughs> you know what? Except the butt plug, right? Russell just. We know what he meant. We all knew, Gurian. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's another fun fact. That, that was a fun fact. That, that was a fun fact. fact. Don't take offense <laughs> to that. A compendium <laughs> of facts. <laughs> but he just—you've given no plugs to anyone. No, I haven't. I've never plugged anyone. I've never been plugged. On wow. a scale of <clears throat> zero to ten, what would you say your desire is? 
to have sex. Asian it men. must have weaned by now. It never existed even when he was younger. Though. Oh, so it's got to have weaned even less. I think it's actually more than it was. I'll put it at a at a six. Wow, that's oh, high. it's getting there. Yeah. Yeah. What's your age now, Fez? That we don't. He's got need a to really big one coming up. Oh, one of the zero ones in March. Oh, you come oh. in March. Okay. Don't, don't be fooled by the prematurely white mustache. Half, half a century half. coming up. Okay. <laughs> So here's the thing. At this point, why bother? That's the question. Yeah. Why bother? Why even bother? Do you yeah. at least do it yourself? Yeah, I do it myself. Okay, well, then that's what are you fine. talking about, Russell? Do it what? Like put a finger in his planet? Do you finger bang yourself? No, does he, mash, does he jerk you? off? Does he jerk off? You know of course what? he jerks off. Well, I, we don't know. Man, just I, to keep your prostate healthy. That's all. I, yes. Your sexuality has nothing to do with masturbation. <laughs> you know, you never know. I mean, if he's not touched anybody, maybe he's just not interested in anything. Fez, have you put anything in your ass? That's what Russell's indirectly asking No, that's asking actually you. not what I'm asking. Oh, is it? No, I was just asking if he jerked off. My bad. Actually, I'm asking through Russell Peter's name. Just jerked off is where I'm going with this. I guess I could whisper it to him. I don't know if he wants to hear the answer. No, I just, you know, you know just, it, it, I've never met anybody who's never touched anybody. It's, it, it is a, I, I don't know if it's admirable or it's an if, interesting. You're, if you're... Uh, it's an interesting, interesting thing. And I tell him that that should be... Like, that's a cool way to be able to say, look... You're looking at the world differently. Yeah. And one thing about Fez is that he's always worried about not being normal. And I go, you should be just the opposite. It gives you so much extra time to accomplish things. Most people's lives are, you know how many hours you waste trying to hook up with people over the years? Oh my it's God. unbelievable, right? If I could get those back. Yeah, you If could I get do those it. flights back and all those purses and shoes back and... What are you trying uh, to why, do? Why are you guys so nervous? Nothing. I just don't asked you if you can take him. a picture of the panel. Joe, what are you doing? Uh, take it over the studio? Fast, no, that's not. <laughs> just, just, just fucking smile, Fez. But wait, wait. You try to get a shot with uh, Fez's mustache, like, kind of in the peripheral. The picture. I, I feel and like but, I've gone to the zoo. Yeah. Could you, you do a thing where... Fez, just lean in. People want to see the mustache. If Fez's mustache looks like it could be Joe's hair, could we line it that way? <laughs> Oh, that works good. You may, recognize, you may recognize Joe from uh, V for Vendetta. I feel like the new black and white panda has been rolled out at Fez. Washington, D.C. Ron, get in. No, we're fine. Get your mustache in there a little more. There you go. Hurry up. All right, we're good. That's a good tip. Good. You know, sorry about that, Ron. That didn't distract anything. Ron, no, sorry no, about no, no, that. No, no, that no, makes Everyone for great radio, says, by the way. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> People at home, you got to look very close to the mic. And Honey, get in here. They're posing. <laughs> they're posing. You want to hear this? <laughs> they're posing on the radio. you got to hear them set up this shot. <laughs> you know, let's, back let's, in, re yeah. let's rewind this part. <laughs> back in the day, Ron and Fred were the ones that started on-air photography. Yeah. <laughs> Up to that point, no one else was doing that. Let me show you. You know what's great for this show? Let me do my mime act real quick. The yeah. audience is going to love this. Um, <laughs> Friday, um, uh, Alan Alda is going to come is in and we're really? going to paint him. That's awesome. We're just going to sit here and paint. Right. Very quietly. Oh, no one talks. Just Perfect. a long painting. Uh, Every right now, now and then you'll hear, can you pass me a new brush? Uh, right now we're on the nose. <laughs> have you guys ever met then, Alan Alda before? I have not. Uh, that would be a pretty Fascinating man. That would be a pretty good cool Just like I did the hour with you, we did an hour with him. And we ended up, rather than talking about MASH, science. The guy is obsessed with science. And he's unbelievably you know, uh, interesting. You know Charles Fleischer, the comic? Yeah, yeah same thing. Yeah, he's a mathematician. Mathematician. Wow. He's created his own math. He's yeah he he like that's really where he makes his money is wait he's created his own no he he he's, no, he's he solves created... problems and uh, and uh, and theories 
No, but he's created like a math. He's what is created it, an like extra this number. It's crazy. You, you gotta see math? it. Yeah, he's just he, got this. He, weird... And how do you get people to do it? That's the thing. Once you no, he, he, he disproves. He disproves <laughs> mathematical what do you theories. Knock on people's doors. And uh, then... Equations and stuff. He comes and... to the club with stacks of papers, and now, it's math. Now the weird thing is, you know, that's... and I'm like, aren't you supposed to be a rabbit? <laughs> I, see, I always look at him, and in my head, I'm like, that's Carvelli. Yeah. yeah. I loved Carvelli. And the weird thing is, like, I mean, you're talking about this genius, but he always played the wacky guy. Yeah. He never played. He's not really playing. Yeah, yeah. He's 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 a wacky genius. Yeah, he's a wacky genius. Great guy. Off stage, he's he's that guy. But I was asking him about like, hey, if he do what? what, uh, I just saw him like about a week and a half ago, and I said, hey, you done any more uh, theories or anything? Goes. Yeah, I just did this one that uh, proves that uh, he was trying to break it down. I, I'm an idiot, so yeah, I don't you couldn't, yeah, you couldn't follow try. along, but no, but it was, was interesting there. when he was telling me because I was like, "Holy shit!" I just was reading today. But anyone could say anything to you, Russell, and you'll go, "Holy you shit!" Son of a this <laughs> this <laughs> physicist came up with this thing on life itself and why why there is life, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And basically, it comes down to this: if you take some molecules, and they sit there, and you shine a light on them long enough, they'll just one of their most awesome moves. Yeah, well, they'll turn into <laughs> a rabbit <laughs> yeah. sooner or later. Eventually, Before, you know, if you give it enough time, there'll be people fucking pissed at the subway's light. You know what I mean? That's that's all it takes. Yeah, heat plus molecules, which is, is that cutting any god thing right out. The premise to begin with? You know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not a big Just the uh, whole concept of inventing yeah. something like math. Like, did you know that the Vietnamese language, somebody told me, was only invented about 200 years ago? Now, how do you do that? How do you invent a language? Well, what did they and, do and before then? That's this. what I'm wondering. Yeah, and, and even if you do invent a language, <laughs> how do you get people to start speaking it? You know, what are you, knock on everybody's doors? I know you've been saying this, but try saying it this way. You know what I mean? Here's what kills me about invent Russell. A language? He works the biggest rooms, but he works can work very, very small. Very small. Just a head nod yeah. as a fucking punchline. That's line. it. That's a stereo. Economizing. It's economizing. I, so you're saying they didn't talk in Vietnam until 200 years ago? No, they ago. must have. They had and some other language. Someone told me that the modern Vietnamese language was only invented what? 200 years Have you ever heard that, Joe? I never heard that. I'm you glad you went that? to the Asian guy and asked. But yeah. no, I, I would just, I'm only half Asian. I, I would just I'm like Asian to say too. to Vietnam, oh, yes. now that right. they have a, a language and they understand us, it was a tie. Stop telling everyone you beat us. It was a tie. We had to go home. Yeah. You, it was you, time. Know, you know they're sitting over there going, we won we that. that yeah. Yeah. We won. No. They, have you been to Vietnam? They no. look around and go, fuck was this all about? Yeah. You know, there's, <laughs> there's not a lot happening there. Yeah, it's, have you performed there, too? I have, yeah. yeah. I got paid in <laughs> dong. <laughs> that's, the, that's the currency, dong. Serious? Dong? Yeah. yeah. Russell Russell told me you went to India, and I was like, "Was it beautiful?" He goes, "It was beautiful. It just smelled like human shit." <laughs> Serious? Not everywhere, but there's days. But enough for you. There's enough. some days where it's stronger than others. Like the first, like when I, it's funny because people are like, "It didn't smell like that." I'm like, "It sure as fuck did." The one time I went, <laughs> one time I got off the plane, and it was a hot day. Well, it's always a hot day, but <laughs> it was it, it was in Bombay, and and I guess because it's a fishing. They, they were fishing, and yeah. I guess all this fish must have come in to the mm-hmm. harbor or something, and it was mm-hmm. must have been sitting out or something, and somebody must have shit all over it. it smelled, <laughs> so it wasn't really the fish. It smelled like shit and fish. Oh, um, and it was just nice combination. Like, it was me and Angelo Sarukas, yeah. and we got off the plane, and we're like, Whoa! 
and was like, oh, my God. Wow. And I like go, right I, away. I, right away. Yeah. I was like, I did not see this coming. But then when I went back in October, no Beautiful. smell. No smell at all. So, you know, I guess it was the day I caught it. Well, I, you know, I've been through Jersey the same way. Some days it's yeah, stinks, but that's, you know, days you're like, it's beautiful. That's here. according to what Chris Christie's willing to do, you know? <laughs> Spending all that money on Febreze. But, you know, if you've ever been to a Russell Peters show, I always have to say this because it's, Interesting it's, it's very special. If you've ever <laughs> been to Russell Peters, I call him the Messiah of comedy because mm. his show is so multi-ethnic and he brings people together from all over the world, which is the great power of comedy. It's a healing force. Brings people together and people... People laugh at each other and at themselves. And it's an amazing, amazing thing. Not many people can do that and get away with it. And he does it. And he, like he imitates yeah. every accent, every single accent. These days, if you imitate an accent, people say, oh, that's racist. But they know that Russell's not coming from that place. And it's a very yeah, important he thing is. that he does. It's yeah, a very he important thing that he does. His mustache. You know, this is great. <laughs> this is the exact opposite of a roast. You know what I mean? Everyone always this wonder, is a toast. What is, this is <laughs> the opposite of a roast. This that's is what roast. you should be doing. I should Gathering be doing. comedians <laughs> Just saying wonderful things. And unroast. Jeff is here. No, because I love the power of comedy. I love the power of comedy, the fact yeah. that it has the power to bring people together. You could do it in, in any... There are very few people that can do that. I'm in awe of that. And I like to give people prop, props when they deserve it. Well, yeah. I nice. a, so anyway... Did I ever tell you my story about the comic strip? I see you have your book here about it. Yeah. Well, what was your story about the strip? Um, in 2005... I had uh, sold out the Apollo Theater in Harlem. It was on like a... Oh, I was there. You were there? Yeah, I was there that night. You yeah. were there, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so you were there. I, was, I sold out... <laughs> I, the, yeah. the, the, the lines were around, the, and it started late. Yeah, because the Remember audience how late was, it started? Because yeah, the audience was crazy. The lines were around the block. So that was what, like a Friday or something? On the Monday, I went over to the comic strip to go do a spot, and the lady, first of all, I had to beg her to get on. Yeah. And she was like, all right, I'll give you five. Yeah. So I go on. <laughs> and I, you got to figure in 2005, I'd been doing stand-up 16 years. Yeah. And I do my thing. You know, I get off and uh, and I go. And she's like, uh, well, I don't usually like my open micers talking to the audience. Um, open micers? Yeah, yeah. And she kicked you out of the. She was club. like, um, "But if you come back in a couple of weeks, maybe I'll put you on again." Was it Gladys? Yes, it was Gladys. That's so crazy. <laughs> That's Gladys so funny. Has been doing. Op she's been running an open mic show for probably twenty five years. She's she used to be at Hamburger Harry's. She is. No, that, <laughs> unbelievable. She's, she's and she got told you talent, and, that one. Yeah, and, and you didn't pass the open mic show, but you fill stadiums. <laughs> yeah, I gotta what, tell her that. What right. a half a mile away. Yeah, a and half I, a mile yeah. away. And that's why I've never gone back to you the never strip. Never went back. To never. Been but that wasn't stripping. a regular show. You must have been there at an unusual time, because she it? only does. What's the, the what's the what's the open mic night? Monday. Yeah, usually yeah, it was a Monday. When Russell Stories plays, you won't find in the book. When Russell yeah. goes and plays a regular comedy club, he's doing the club a favor. It's the craziest absolutely, thing, absolutely. But I didn't, I didn't want to be like you know. I, I, I did say I, I just sold out the Apollo <laughs> I, I Theater. Yeah, I fill stadiums. By the I, way, at that time I hadn't done any stand, but I was just like I, I just sold out. When, when Russell was at Madison met, Square Garden, when you filled that, yeah, it was right. like sixty five hundred people. When 80, Russell, 85. when Russell and I people. met, he took me to Australia. <laughs> Two nights ago. He took me to Australia. And that was a vacation, right? No, this no, is, was we were doing shows together. And uh, he did the Australia. This is way back. How, seven years? It's been a while. Seven years, eight years. And he took me to Australia. I didn't know how big Russell was. Yeah. I knew he was huge. I just knew he was my friend. <laughs> took me to Australia. And we're in the Sydney Opera House. 
and it's sold out. And I'm like, isn't this the thing that they give away on Prices Right? <laughs> and I'm in it. Yeah. Like it was crazy. Like we were in the Sydney Opera House, and this man was killing it, just crushing Australia. We had a great time on that. Too. Yeah, man, we had fun. That was well, the Australians <laughs> love you, man. We Most generous out. comic you, in the game. This guy gave me a watch at the end of the tour. And then he threw gave it me out. A tag Hoyer. Yeah, he, he threw it, it out. He threw it out. We're at the end of the show, guys. Thanks so much. Are for you coming serious? In. We're yeah. gonna do this that again. Went so fast. No, I want one more. I want more. Can I? Can I plug something? Yeah, plug Come on. At Joe Coy. J O K O Y. I'm taking all the time. <laughs> that's Spencer's thing. You know, oh, that was that's mine. Sweet, and he's oh, going to be okay. at Levity Live in West Nyack tonight at 7.30. Russell Peters at Good Nights Comedy Club, Rally, North Carolina, February 6th through the 9th. Gladys doesn't work there, so we'll get plenty of time. <laughs> Zaney's Comedy Club, Nashville, February 13th through the 16th. Hey, how about me? At Jeffrey Gurian. On Twitter and ComedyMattersTV.com. It's all locked in. We'll cool. see you guys back And in InterestingFacts.com. <laughs> more Ron, more Fez. This is the best of Ron and Fez on Raw Dog. Comedy Hits, Channel 99. The bits that were marginally better than the rest. You're listening to the best of Ron and Fez on Raw Dog. Comedy Hits, Channel 99. The Ron and, and Fez Show presents the funniest people of all time. This is Saturday Night Live's Weekend Update anchor, Michael Che. Stick around. What's up, bro? So we haven't seen you in a while. Yeah, it's been like, has it been over a year? No, it's been less than a year, but right before... Everything started happening for you one after another. Yeah, it got a, it was like a really strange run. Yeah. That's weird. It was like, oh, something nice happened for Michael Che. And we're all like, yay, that's great. And then like, <laughs> something even better happened for Michael Che. And you're like, that's starting to get to be a little too much, isn't it? Yeah, no, I think the internet thought the same thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you... It was like, oh, no, Michael Che's blowing it. No, you I'm know, I, Colin... Uh, Quinn was in earlier today, and I don't know what it is. You and him have this. It's, you both will, will fire up the Internet at a moment's notice. Well, because I think it, it might be a similar thing. I don't know. I, I can't speak for him, but for me, it's it's not a real place. <laughs> so it's like I don't know why anybody would take it seriously. You yeah. know, like if you say something terrible to me, it, it's not a real thing. Like when things happen on the Internet. Right. And I was like, oh, man, I'm just going to be uh, people with torches outside my house. And I walk outside and no one, Nothing no changes. one even looks at me. Yeah, yeah, so it's like it's not, it, do, it doesn't exist. It's just a fun little thing. Well, I really wish people knew that I was playing. Well, that, <laughs> not that, seriously, you know. That's why I, I always bring up Colin because his make no sense. Yeah, and he'll just try to have you know this thing, and then people write in. And get angry, a little freak out. They about get it. upset. They think yeah. like he's he's losing it, and you're like, no man, he's, <laughs> he's just fucking around. <laughs> it's amazing what people take seriously on the internet. So the internet doesn't bother you at all. It doesn't. Oh man, it's it entertains me. Yeah, it's the it's so funny. It's like wrestling. It's like see, I, I was talking to Bobby Kelly, and if he reads something mad of. A mean about himself on the internet. If someone tweets something mean, he'll go lay down for an hour and feel bad. No, really? Yeah, he says he just can't handle. You know, it I hurts know. his feelings. Well, I guess it's you know you don't like as a stand up when you're on stage, you see 
everybody not laughing. You don't even... It, right. Laughter becomes white noise after a while because you feel like you're supposed to kill. You're supposed to do well. And then when it's not going well, that's what you see. So I could do a show and I'm, I can be destroying. Or I could have a really good set. But if two people in the front row are staring at me as if I ate their child in front of them. I'm miserable. I'm like, what did I do wrong? Yeah, yeah, like, where did this joke go wrong? Even though it's killing everywhere else. And some people have just drank more vodka than they're used to. And right. they're in a stupor. You know what I mean? Like, they're That's thinking true. to themselves, I hope I don't throw up. I'm not a drinker, and I had three drinks. Exactly. That's, that's, you don't know what's going on yeah. with those people. Uh, but you, being on SNL now, that really is the bug light for fucking lunatics that's going to bring in people from all over the place it's so different yeah it's exciting it's fun because it's you know people watch the show snl's like uh it's like the closest thing to a sports franchise it's monday night football yeah it's monday night football like there's nick fans who hate the knicks yeah. The way SNL fans are like, oh, they need to bring back Chevy. I'm like, dude, that's not happening, man. It's Because they grew up with it, you know? Yeah. So it's it's more important to them than any other show, but yeah, which there is great. Are, there's a certain percent of not just people, but even the media who has been bitching about SNL since 1980. Yeah. And I always say to people, they're like, I don't watch that shit. I'm like, what else is on TV? It's Saturday night. At 11.30, you're going to get stars and music. and get, You know what I mean? Like, even at a, a, a bad night, yeah. you get more than what you would have. Well, it's 90 minutes of live sketch comedy yeah. that we wrote in a week. Yeah. This is not like we don't have the season written out. You know, we write it that week specifically for that host. And it's live. And any mistake, you'll see it. We, we find out it's not funny at the same time you find out it's not funny. Or we find out that it's great the same time you find out it's great. And it's super, it's really tough to do. You, If you brought that to an executive now to get a oh, pilot yeah. on there, they'd be like, are you out of your mind? That could never work. And we do it. So I think, like, the show doesn't get the credit it does because I don't think people realize how hard it is to produce. I wish people could see. I wish there was a way we could show, like, the week process of getting the show produced. It's amazing. Like, from the writing to the acting to actual stage production. It's insane how fast that show is. Well, I, I talked about being over and saying that before and just watching the stage stuff come up. It's insane. As you're coming back from the break. And when you're in the room, you're like, they're not going to make it. You yeah. Know I mean? It's like broadcast news. <laughs> like, they're not going to do it. Right. You know, so it's like really exciting. To be in that room is ridiculously exciting. It's It's kind of it's kind of intimidating yeah. when you first see it but when you're like in it when you're a part of the machine it's it's kind of it's really exciting it's like nascar yeah. and i don't think people see that they just see it as ah, not perfect and you're like yeah right. man it's not supposed to be it can't be perfect there's no way yeah. if it was we would be making a lot more money but you know just the fact that it's <laughs> that you know there's certain things that will stick to the calendar and like you can look back at like Dana Carvey mm -hmm. and Dennis Miller and go oh yeah that's 1987 you know what I mean like right. that looks feels right that's what people were feeling like and you can't even do that with like cheers right you know absolutely I mean it's it's also uh, the most it's like you have to be able to replenish that that cupboard yeah. that's what makes me that blows my mind like any show that loses 
Belushi and Aykroyd and, yeah. and Murray and all those guys and still has another season and then has to lose Dana Carvey and Mike Myers and then still be able to find more talent and Will Ferrell and then and now Jay Farrow or guys like that. Like it's to be able to lose those top stars or, you know, and still have a show is pretty exciting in itself. So what we're trying to tell you people is to laugh, have fun. It's a great show. It comes on at 11.30. So you having fun, though, doing it? I'm or is there a, pressure there for you? Of course, there's tons of pressure, but it's also like, uh, it's exciting. I mean, like, as a comedian, there's no bigger yeah. thrill. There's no bigger nut than a good SNL laugh, you know? It's yeah. live comedy, you know? It's like what, what you love doing. Uh, and then how has this changed, like, when you go out? Do people look at you differently when you go into the clubs now? Yeah, but you know, it doesn't matter because it's like as a, we're we're insane people. <laughs> you know that you're, yeah. you're you're you. I, this show is super popular. Like people, you know how it is when there's fans that there's nothing you can do, you can't do any wrong to them. Right. But you know a good show when you hear one. Yeah. And it, it's the same. It's like it, it doesn't really matter what everybody says. It's when you're happy with the act because we're insane. We we have to be good with it. But this, you know, today, it just goes to show you when you think about comedy, when you think about satire, what's happening in France, yeah, right, where these guys. I just heard about this. Actually. Yeah, these guys went in to, uh, what's the name of the magazine? Uh, Charlie Hebdo. So it would be like them going into the Onion, being mm -hmm. so mad at the Onion that they would just start shooting everybody because of political cartoons right you know and i mean we bitch about twitter in this country and people getting upset but can you imagine the people that would take it this serious it's scary yeah but it's also something that kind of puts things in perspective like you just said like right. you, you bitch about twitter and now oh, these guys don't like i'm trending topic or whatever but like yeah. it, it's still comedy i think it, it, that's kind of a beautiful thing about this country is that it, it never gets that far thank god you know yeah, hopefully, hopefully hopefully it never gets that far but i can't imagine any joke that could get me this freaked out it was probably really funny yeah well, what was it? It was a cartoon, like a, a political car cartoon. It was a cartoon with Muhammad that featured yeah. Muhammad on it. Oh, yeah. Now, here's the thing. If you go and hit their... Which Muhammad? No, I'm kidding. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. If they, somebody, <laughs> seriously, if someone said something about Muhammad Ali, I would freak out and be on their side. If Muhammad Ali came in here now and told me to start shooting the room, I'd do it. <laughs> That's the Muhammad I'm for. <laughs> but like, look at even what their like their Twitter. What do you call it? Thing is, Chris, the little orange thing in the corner. That's the Virgin Mary shooting Jesus out of her vagina, right? Right. And it's called Petite Jesus. Now I'm wearing I'm wearing a Virgin Mary around my neck right now, and I can honestly tell you that that doesn't upset me. It doesn't. It's weird that it would upset any. I don't know why people get upset with jokes in the first place. I mean, I guess there's some jokes that are poking fun at something that people find right. dear to their hearts, but who cares? Why give them that much attention? It is... It's stunning. It's a, It's kind of funny. I mean, the Jesus... Well... I, I mean, know. he looks so happy. I didn't think and it doesn't even look like the real Jesus or Mary. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I think Mary was that buck-toothed. No. <laughs> no. I, I, would, I would imagine Mary's hot. Like, if God's oh, going to yeah. get a lady pregnant, she better be a winner. <laughs> yeah, but see, here's the thing. <laughs> It's like, yeah. It's inbred. She's 
was Mary was always hot in a kind of girl next door way, and always a little too young. Uh, what was the little girl in Beautiful Girls that uh, became an Oscar winner in the movie Beautiful Girls? Oh, it was. Um, then she went on to be Star the, Wars. Monique. Yeah. Then her name was Star Wars. Chris just gave me her name. Her name was Star Wars. All right. So when you saw Star Wars, <laughs> why can't I remember her name? <laughs> Jesus Christ! I thought I thought you had her name. I thought it was Star Wars. No, it's not Star Wars. She ended yeah. up in Star Wars. I don't think it's Star Wars. What I can't remember. I was it Empire Strikes Back? Was that no, her name? No, it wasn't Empire Strikes Google Back. Google Star Wars images and see if she comes. It's Natalie Portman, That's of course. It. Now here's the thing. Mary was beautiful like Natalie Portman was beautiful at that age. Like, oh, yeah, she's gorgeous, but don't touch her. You yeah, know you what can't. I mean? Yeah, that was kind of weird. Yeah. It's a weird story that people were okay with. Uh, that story? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, she was pretty young. She was real young. She was like a teenage girl. But she was also like already married to like a dude. I kind of feel like she got married after the fact. Because he didn't have sex with her. He was oh. like a nice man. Joseph was like a nice man who came along and said, Look, I see that you're pregnant from the Lord. Let me make an honest woman out of you. Give you the last name of Nazareth. And, you know, don't worry. I'll keep an eye out. I mean, when you really think about it, Joseph was like a really stand-up fucking guy. Joseph had to be talked into it, according to the Bible. See, that's kind of mean to say that, Fez. I mean, let's just give him credit for doing it. Who talked him into it? Uh, an angel went and talked to Joseph and said, do the right thing. I mean, maybe he just told him that. You're acting like Joseph put up a, a hassle and said, no, I don't want to. I'm young. I got things I'm doing. I, you know, I really wish angels were around still. Me too. Just come and tell you what to do. Just tell you the right thing to do. Or just maybe come along. I wish they would come after you did something bad. Yeah. And say, look, it's not so bad. We're going to fix it. Would you believe it, though? Like, if an angel came down right now and was like, listen, I'm an angel. Not like, I'm not talking like Travolta. I'm saying like a real angel. Like, you know it's an angel. Would you be like, oh, you know what? Like, how do you tell that story? You must immediately think that you're insane, right? That would be Absolutely. the first thing that popped yeah. in your head is I'm having an aneurysm yeah. of some kind. This is it. Yeah. So, no, initially, I would try to find every scientific excuse or psychological excuse for why this was happening this right but i've seen enough movies mm -hmm. that i know that you get a little time with an angel like it doesn't seem like even in a movie if anyone believes an angel right off the bat well like i was watching the movie big yeah and uh tom hanks like convinced his friend remember that he was yeah. that he was his friend but it, it didn't take that long but he did it through that little song that only the two of them yeah. would know yeah, but I, I, even I knew that song. Yeah. It's not. <laughs> okay. So maybe he was a child molester. <laughs> yeah, he was easily. But that, also that kid, what kind of esteem did that kid have to think that, well, this old guy's going to want to fuck me? Yeah. Immediately. Like, maybe the guy just wanted to rob him. Why? Did yeah, he... I didn't feel that fuckable as a child, if I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't either. Like, if, yeah. if a guy, like, wanted to fuck me as a kid, I'd be like, really? Yeah. You could do way better. I'll tell you, I used to even hitchhike when I was a little kid, and I didn't ever even have a problem. Never? Now, now looking back on it, that's it's scary. That doesn't make me feel good. You know what I mean? I wish somebody would have tried something. Yeah. I, yeah no one's ever tried anything with me either. Mm. No one's ever put Chris, their hand on my you? knee. Not that I can remember, but maybe I blocked something out. And Fez, with you, is your dad and two uncles same time? <laughs> <laughs> they many? called it a family reunion. Is that what they said? A Pinellas Park family reunion. Did anybody <laughs> yeah. try anything when you were a kid? No, we had one in the family, but it was just with the girls. 
Sure, he was a regular guy, you know? Yeah, it's you, normal. Yeah, yeah, it's normal at that point. I can't be a part of this anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're a, wait, here's the thing. <laughs> now, here, here's the weird thing. No one would take this serious, but if you were on Twitter, people would be angry. Well, because you hear our voice and you yeah. were laughing, and when yeah. you put something, when you write something, it, it belongs to them. That's what I learned yeah. from Twitter. When you write something, it belongs to the reader. They're going to read it the way they want to read it. They, you, you have lost all control of it, you know? So when I say something, I'm in control because, I, you know, you hear the, my voice, and yeah. it's, it's different. It's different hearing it. Here's what I, I can learned. say the worst thing in the world. In radio, you know that it's wrapping up when someone does the last line to make Fez feel bad about being gay. So you just take, <laughs> you take it right up to that place. And where you said, oh, yeah, no, that other guy was normal. And Fez had to feel bad for a second. Then we go, oh, okay, it's over. We pushed it as far as it could go. It's it's cool. I Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't tweet that. Now, Do you ever, have you ever been, like, in trouble? The, the tweeting, I don't do. We do it as a show, but I myself don't take pictures of spaghetti and say, "Look what I'm eating right now." I just don't. Yeah. I don't bother with it. Yeah, boy, simpler time. Well, you, yeah, that's what it was. It was like I came up in radio, where at the end of the show, if you were done and you would talk to the people tomorrow, you wouldn't just keep talking to them. No. Yeah, it's, it's, it's addictive. It's 24 hours a day now. Yeah, but yeah, I don't know. I, I might delete it. Yeah, you ought to think about it, dude, because I, I think it'd be better for you. I might just delete it. Well, I got I got to promote these shows. And after these shows. And after yeah. these shows, maybe I'll just delete it. Smart. Why not? Didn't somebody say Louis did, or Louis just takes like Yeah, Louis told me he off? did. Yeah. He deleted his. He had like 4 million followers. He's just, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> four million. At four million, I'd stay. I want to be honest with you. At four million, four I'm only going to be there. I mean, like four million people need something from me. But you were saying you were got into a Cosby thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. What? What do you mean? What on Twitter? On oh, Twitter, yeah. I I have a Cosby joke that people don't like. Right, what's up? Well, <laughs> it's pretty bad. Well, the joke is basically that uh, I feel like it's convenient. Like, I'm, I'm okay with Cosby outrage because uh. it's convenient outrage. Like, if you want to you want to cancel the Cosby show, I'm fine with that because I've seen all the Cosby shows. Right. So that's super <laughs> convenient. That's a convenient punishment. But if it, if it wasn't Cosby, if it was somebody for, from something that I'm not finish with like game of thrones <laughs> Maybe. like if like if like if peter dinklage <laughs> raved a bunch of girls uh, yeah i don't I, know i thought the weird thing about it is they want to stop cosby from doing stand-up but that seems like it's all like i said no one is trying to stop him from getting gas you would think like why did they just pick stand-up as the one thing they want to stop because they want to hurt him the way he's hurt people yeah that's what they want that's the thing it's a weird thing like when i mean and i you know I get, cosby's wait a minute first of all i'm not in the cosby category <laughs> like that's not the, but i mean it, you know cosby's an interesting thing because this is something that a lot of people knew about uh -huh. and kind of ignored for a while and now it's in the public eye and they made it you know now now it's uh, well let's take it all off let's take every let's get rid of everything that he's ever yeah. done well you know which let's is kind of weird. Let, let's just scrape it clean. Yeah. Um, 
But I also said this, and you can't ever take it away from him. I don't know if there's ever been a more impactful comedian. I don't think anyone will ever understand what it meant just to have Cosby on TV in the 1960s. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I will tell you this. I have uh, a pretty racist uncle who used to laugh his ass off at Cosby stand-up. And I'm not talking about, you know, the 1980s when he had a show and it was nice. I'm talking about young Bill Cosby right. going out there railing, and my uncle would laugh and what that means. Like, we don't even have anything to compare that to right. today. No, absolutely not. Well, it was spoiled and yeah. now everything is, you don't even have, you could find the kind of news you want, you know? You can watch, right. you can watch news that's just like you and everything coming from your specific tailor-made viewpoint. So we don't understand what it's like to have no black people on TV and have one guy that actually makes white people say, well, they're just like us. Really? Literally? I mean, as dumb as that sounds. It's true. And this is not ancient history. No. (laughs) This is like like there was a Super Bowl going on. (laughs) That's how new it is. But for somebody to say... To have that thought, like now you could almost play that down because you could go, well, of course, but but you have to remember at that time for somebody to just see the humor over everything else without him bringing it up, right? Like he never said, I'm just like you or we don't need right. to fear each other. You have to say that that was probably right there with Martin Luther King in terms of importance. Well, humor humor is absolutely the first. I think humor and music is like one of the first things that kind of connects people. Right. You know, like when you can laugh, like, I mean, Archie Bunker, you know, the character Archie Bunker uh, was Carol Connor. Yeah. He, you know, that you didn't have to be a racist to get it. Yeah. You know, it's just like everyone knows that guy. <laughs> yeah. And you, we all laugh even though it's wrong. Mm-hmm. And I wish that kind of mentality was still in comedy a little bit with comedy fans where you don't have to agree with things right. to think it's funny. It's just see the humor in this happening and know that this is a real thing. You know, I'm not trying to convert you i'm just telling you why it looks funny you know and that's that's all comedy is we're just telling you this looks funny doesn't this look funny you don't have to say well it's right or wrong doesn't this look funny that's all we're telling you i don't know why it has to be you know i'm against it as a feminist blah 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 you know like why can't it just be that it looks funny that's it you look funny it's okay so this is the thing how can you be that guy who carried this shining light, right? And then still be this awful... I mean, when you hear this stuff, it's not even like That's regular That's what's so baffling. Shit. Yeah, it's like... And it's like not twice. Yeah. And it's not like, oh, he couldn't keep his hands off women or, you know, uh, something. I mean, it's the weirdness of where this goes. Again, it's like, you're like, I didn't even know that would be a turn on. And we're all yeah, right. on the fucking internet looking at freaky shit all yeah. the time. Oh, boy. You know? And then you're like, wait, some people just like them to be drugged? That... It's crazy. Yeah, it's it's, it's literally insane. insane. And, like, a lot. Like, that's, like, his move. Yeah. Apparently. That's the only way he digs it. That, sucks, that couldn't man. be it. Fucking sucks. Yeah. <laughs> what a shitty guy. <laughs> 
He had to like, c- seduce them genuinely. It couldn't. It didn't seem like he'd pay like a hooker. And no, then no, 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 no. It, it, it couldn't happen that way. Yeah. How do you it's find out you like that? But the, what do you I, do with that? I, I got it. I think I got it. I think it, he's a little kid, right? Okay. And he's in fucking uh, North Philadelphia, and he's being babysat by somebody who's drunk. And passed out, and he got to go over and pull her skirt up or play with her tits. Because shit that happens to you when you're little, uh-huh. you know, you fucking hold on to. For That's the thing that turns you on. So I think he had like a drunk aunt or a drunk babysitter, and when she passed out, he got to go over and feel her up or look up her skirt. Really? Boom, lock it down. That's, a, that's very that's interesting. It. I think that's it. Or maybe something happened to him that makes him lash out that way. Like maybe he was touched by a sleeping woman. Oh, yeah, I could. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <a> <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying. I'm yeah. trying. <laughs> maybe a sleeping woman. No, have you ever met Phil? Have you ever off. met him? No, I never met him. I never met him. He came in here one time. He's He was pretty intimidating. He was pretty, well, yeah, he's Cosby. Yeah. Like you said, like he's he might be one of the ten. Like if him and Obama and Kim Jong Un and Prince, and the biggest people in the world, right. were at a table, a lot of them would be like, "Holy shit, that's Bill Cosby." <laughs> you know? Yeah, he's like that kind of famous. See, here's the weird thing about fucking that up is people forget. Everyone used to love OJ, and you would never ever have talked about running backs without OJ being in the mix. When's the last time you were watching the NFL and they would flip back and show you OJ OJ, in college? I mean, he was unbelievable, Fez. You're a Notre Dame fan. He destroyed Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. He was unbelievable. He went to a terrible Buffalo team and ran from 2,000 yards when people used to run for 800 yards. And now that's gone. And you're wondering, will there be a time where people don't know who Cosby but even OJ was like, like he only killed like one white lady. Yeah. Like if he killed 26 and that was how he also came, yeah. that makes <laughs> a whole lot worse. <laughs> like uh, if that's how OJ got off, he had to cut your head off and <laughs> beat his dick. But I'm saying if, <laughs> I don't think Cosby, I don't know. Like I really, I don't know. It's a it's very strange feeling. I think a lot of people don't talk about is that we all love Cosby. Yeah. And he's it's kind of like finding out a family member did something terrible where you instinctively want to defend him but you can't defend it. You know, if it you know if it's true, there's still allegations I guess, but I mean 26 even if he's or even if half of them are wrong. Yeah. Fuck. Uh well I had heard a story years ago that doesn't even tie in with this that was told to my daughter at a party that was the weirdest fucking thing I'd ever heard and a totally mean Bill Cosby thing. And I used to say on the air, I'm going to tell this story after Cosby dies. You know what I mean? Well, because, you can tell it now. You know, <laughs> he would sober up. It's not my story to tell. I'm going to do the show with her on Friday if she wants to tell it. But I would tell you, I was, I was weirded out. Yeah. Weirded out by it. Sucks, man. It really sucks. And it's it's a really if it's if it's if it's as true as they say, it's it really sucks for the people that you know. I mean, fuck man. Drugged? Who wants to be drugged? Roof like slipped the Mickey, basically. Fuck. And the, here's the weirdest thing about the uh, about Bill is while he's doing on that, 
he's still yelling at other people by the way they're behaving. Yeah. You know, he's not, not like he's even giving people breaks. Like, hey, sometimes we get a little crazy, don't we? You know what I mean? Like, at least. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, would think he'd be pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, act like you Hefner. <laughs> like, hey, let's just fucking party. You know, but he was like yelling at people almost every day, telling people they were fucking up. He's on a crusade. Why, why he's doing this shit. Yeah. And he was pretty old. Like, wasn't it like 10 years ago? Yeah. Well, he'd be doing it now, probably, if fucking shit hadn't come up. It's, I mean, wow. Caroline's uh, this week. You'll never give up. <laughs> we'll get we'll get more into it. Yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. get into it deeper. <laughs> uh, but stand-ups, still. Stand-up, always. Stand-ups, always paramount. All, everything else is, is, uh, is great, and I feel lucky to be able to do other things, but... It always comes down to stand-up. There's nothing like being on stage with a microphone and talking to people. And I'm going to say some horrible things. Right. And uh, you guys, some people are going to like it, some people are going to leave. But, you know, that's that's exciting. That To me, that's the most fun. But it's got to be weird for you to be on SNL and know. You know what I mean? That to be, when you're standing there at the end of the night yeah. and you're waving oh, yeah. and you're, you're like, okay, where Moynihan is standing is where Gilda Rodner used to stand. Right. And you look over and like, uh, there's Pete Davidson, but that's where Eddie Murphy used to stand. Yeah, that's... It's, it's crazy. It's Yankee Stadium. It's Yankee Stadium. That's the it's, right word yeah, for it. Yeah, it's Yankee Stadium. It's like everybody's there. Everybody's been through there. It's exciting. And even if you, like weren't in the cast you were hosting you know right. everybody who's anybody was, was there and you know who's cool. the funniest person who's never hosted saturday night live you think who's Chappelle? The... Chappelle. jesus Chappelle. i would love to see Chappelle host i think that would be amazing i had no idea that he didn't no, like until was... you brought it up yeah, that would be done on me that would be amazing if Chappelle could host has he ever even shown up or just like popped up on us a... not since i've been there i haven't seen him there but that would be. I would love that. How about how Chappelle just come back this year and played Radio City? What was it like? Eight, eight it was eight yeah. or nine. Eight, or, yeah. yeah man. And you like He's the king right now? It's amazing. Yeah, man. Louis in at the Garden today. Yeah. Right today, or something like that. Yes, yeah. Tonight. Last night. Yeah. It's tonight. Oh, tonight. Yeah. It's, it's just an insane time for comedy where you got like Kevin Hart and you got Louis and Rock is like hotter than ever right yeah. now you know with the movie and it's, it's it's really kind of exciting i mean but still it's the the cool thing is that the comedians that are the biggest the louis the rocks the Chappelle's, are the guys with integrity well none of it is go they're not the kind of guys that is like going to their head like, right when you saw like martin lawrence got that big you're like uh-oh <laughs> you know because you could see like he's like bigger than life but yeah. the pressure you could see the pressure on him but it's also like 30 year guys yeah. martin when martin was big yeah. he was like 25 or right. something like that you know he was a younger guy or whatever i don't i think he was under 30 and right. he just you, they just gave him everything but you know it, it, it probably got to in that way, but Chappelle, these guys are veterans. There's nothing you you can't shake them. Yeah, you can't shake them, and that you know. And for younger comics like me, it's it's exciting to see where if you write, if you keep going, and in 20 years or so, you can still have that solid fan base and that solid foundation where you could still tour and still work and still be hot again. You know, right? Super inspiring. 
Yeah, there is no limit to it. You know what I mean? There is no age limit. It's one of the few things where people don't go, well, he's too old to be up there. You know, like. Absolutely. You know, you're just like, oh, I see. He's going to do the old dude angle. That's fucking great. Right. You know? I can never be Hulk Hogan. (laughs) Where it's just like, oh, no. I saw a tweet where, like, Hulk Hogan was, like, going back in the gym to go to wrestling. And I love wrestling, but she's like, come on, Hulk. You know, know, like, you're already Hulk. You've been Hulk. Yeah. You can't be Hulk again. Who's coming back? Next, Fez, who's who's going to be at WrestleMania? That's like a comeback person. Uh, the big comeback will be CM Punk. This, I really this hope year. so. You think that's the case? I I think this whole UFC thing is a complete work for him see, to show up at WrestleMania. I, I said I, the same thing. I think even before that, you're going to see Sting back. That's uh, Sting's back. Yeah, but I mean, in doing the full thing. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah the next that one, run in. Yeah, that was, but and then we never saw get, him again. I think you're going to see him against Triple H. That's why I laid it up there on the net. Because uh, I don't think you're going to be able to do one of these things without having a classic thing. Because my nephew is like 10, Mm -hmm. and he's following wrestling today as the same time he's going through that shit and watching 1980s and 1990s wrestling. Like, he's getting the full... I can't imagine how that must feel. It would be like (laughs) me being a little kid watching baseball as I'm watching the Negro League and trying to figure out those guys. Yeah. It's crazy how much information they're expected to be a wrestling fan. And it's it's insane how much information is out there for them to get. Like, when I was a kid, if you missed wrestling, you missed wrestling. That was it. Now it's like they have a network where you could watch every match that's ever happened for 10 bucks. It's well, insane. When I was a kid, you would watch wrestling but not know who the guys in Minnesota or Texas exactly. were. Exactly, right, right. You sometimes right. catch them and it was like a whole other league and you're like, who are those dudes? Yeah, I remember my brother was explaining because <laughs> he lived down south, he was telling me who Jerry Lawler was. And I was right. like, what is the Jerry Lawler? Like, <laughs> I knew was, I was you know, New York guy. There was one time when Jerry Lawler was like so giant in Tennessee and then not known outside of it. Like, he could sell out a 15,000 arena in, like, Memphis. And couldn't get arrested in New York. Yeah, just couldn't. Like, no one would even take his calls or know who he was. And that's all Vince's dad changed that when he started to put the whole thing together. Yeah, that, it it is kind of the, the world's gotten so much smaller as right. far as with media and marketing. It's, you know, there's no secrets anymore. Because who was your wrestling? I had Florida Championship Wrestling out of Tampa, and that was Dusty Rhodes, oh. Eddie Graham, Gordon See, Soley. Eddie Graham is a guy I've heard a lot about, but I don't really, I don't, I've never seen. Well, I only Gordon sa- was a great voice, though. I, I yeah. love Gordon. The, the WWF at the time, I only saw that in magazines. And I know, like, in Florida, they had one bad guy manager at a time, and I didn't know how the WWF had Freddie Blassie, Lou Albano, and the Grand Wizard all operating together. Fuji. I I think... uh, (laughs) Mr. Fuji. Yeah, Mr. Fuji was great with Professor Tora Tanaka. But they would only do Philly, like, Boston... Mm -hmm. I think New York and, like, Pittsburgh, right? That was them? Yeah, maybe Toronto. But that was that. Yeah, they did. I didn't even know they wouldn't. Yeah, they definitely weren't going as far west as Chicago. 
because that was the AWA, and that was Vern's territory. Vern Gagne. Vern Gagne. <laughs> Another guy. The most unwrestling-looking wrestler ever. And yet I've never saw I never saw I've never seen him either. I've always heard that name. Yeah, that name has been around forever. And the Von Erichs, that's Texas. That's Texas. Right? Yeah, that was they, Dallas, which was actually separate from the Houston territory. Well, who was in Houston? Houston, Houston was Paul Bosch. And I think that was also, I'm trying to, th- I, Cowboy Bill Watts. Was Ivan Putski there? Ivan Putski was in Dallas with the Von Erichs. Because that's the shit that I would sometimes get yeah. in Philly. What was it, the Polish Hammer? The yeah. Polish, is it Hammer? Yeah, the Polish Hammer. I, I thought he was a strong man, the Polish strong man. And for a while, he would just like speak in like gibberish, like Polish gibberish. And then later, he had a Texas accent. I'm like, when did he? How did he? I always love when like wrestling, the, 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 you, you could tell a lot about the wrestling fan base because watching old wrestling now, the bad guys were kind of sensible. Yeah. Like the like Nikolai Volkov would be like, now nah, I just want to say my national anthem. Yeah. Like, Fuck you! Yeah. <laughs> Come on, man, it's my country. They just hated him immediately just because yeah. he had his country pride. Yeah. He just, he, all you had to do was walk in with a different flag, and they yeah. would yell it. Boo! We hate you. Like, come on, man. <laughs> Who? Yeah, because you know the world was black and white enough that you're like, who's the good guy, who's the bad guy? But what was it like? Stone Cold did kind of change. He blurred the line. He kind of muddied the water. I mean, you had Stone Cold beat up Vince McMahon, Mm -hmm. and any other time before that, if the big wrestler beat up the little announcer guy at the time. He would have been the heel, not right. the hero. Right. So does that mean that wrestling changed yeah. or the country changed? Like if Piper beat yeah. up Jack Tunney. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> People would hate Piper, but the, the, not cheer him. But does that have something to do with us? Like the American persona changed so much? Well, I think that, the power structure changed. Like we realized that it wasn't. You know, it's not the guy with the muscles that's the bad guy. It's right. the guy that controls everything. You know, the, yeah, the right. powerful man. You know. And I think it goes back to like when Letterman would start calling the NBC guys weasels, and all of a sudden, bosses weren't providers. They were bad guys trying to the hold bo- you down. The bosses were always bad guys. So like, if you watch I Love Lucy, oh, yeah. the boss was the bad guy. There was, uh, I think what happened more is that we thought it was funnier to see like little guys get stomped and shit like that. Like when they started to have adults beat up midgets, I'm like, I don't know what is going on. Oh, yeah, midget wrestling Sky was Lolo a big deal, man. Just got fucking. <laughs> the Haiti kid, remember that? <laughs> yeah, the Haiti kid was great. <laughs> remember the Haiti kid? Oh, yeah. that was great. <laughs> Oh man, old school wrestling. I used to like uh, the, when the microphone would come. I wish they did that. that more. Yeah, exciting. the microphone would come down. And that's Connor. I love that. Well, you know, Fez and I, when we were doing radio in Florida, we got to do some of the wrestling things, and we did a flag versus flag match where uh, we went out with the American flag with Hacksaw Jim Duggan. And Fez, you had the Canadian flag. I yeah, with the Canadian strongman. Yeah. So like we did this whole thing, and we were on the air that week. And I was just like, you know, we were talking about something. I go, you know, Fez, that's the thing about you. You're just. It's all about Canada with you. Right? <laughs> we started doing the thing. Like, we My started, family is French Canadian. Yeah, yeah. So we did it all week, right? So Fez goes out, and they're going crazy, booing him. 
I go out with Hacksaw and we have flags. Yeah, Canada's not even that far. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Just boom, no. boom, Canada. <laughs> it's in the Bronx. When I have never, and I'm like, I brought the, I brought the who out on stage before, right? So I know the pop of running out with Hacksaw Jim Duggan. I felt like for a second I might pass out. It was just <laughs> the excitement of my adrenaline was through the roof, right? This was the best thing ever happened. So we get in there and we all have our flags. And there's 18,000 people and they're fucking chanting at Fez USA while he has his flag. And then he uh, had to put his hands over his ears. <laughs> like it was destroyed. And I fucking looked over at Fez and I'm like, holy shit. That's like... You're, you've entered the TV now. <laughs> right. You're like a little kid. It was so weird. It was one of, but like, I'm you, like giddy listening. Yeah, this is crazy. There was no like no training. No one told him to do it. He no. immediately went into this. <laughs> and he stomped around the room. And they're just getting louder yeah. and louder. Yeah. yeah. That's fantastic. Well, did, did they do something to your flag, too? Did your flag get thrown away? There's always a... Yeah, Hacksaw Duggan got my yeah. French-Canadian flag. Yeah. I guess the flag of Montreal or yeah. whatever. And well, stomped it. And broke the flag stick over his knee. Why was your guy so bad? Why? Why? Because he was French Canadian. Only because he was French Canadian. It was Dino Bravo who they Dino always, Bravo. Yeah. Wow. Who they always accused of cheating in feats of strength competitions. Yeah, on he wrestling. Broke, remember he broke the uh, bench press record. It was like <laughs> seven hundred pounds or something like that. It was like like Royal Rumble or something like that. It was like Jesse Ventura, and they and they like cheated. Yeah, it was Jesse great. helped yeah, him he lift helped the ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And people never forgave that. Really? Yeah. yeah he went on to be governor, <laughs> so it was, it, it, somebody forgave him. Tino Bravo, that's hilarious. Well, he still he still generates that heat. Who? Dino Bravo. And people oh, he's still dead. booing. Oh, is he? Is he dead? Yeah. Yeah, he was a the one who got those... shot up in his living room. Oh, wow. A lot of those guys die early. He's... I don't know what it is about wrestling. Smuggling well, cigarettes. a friend of ours, ECW Zombie, if we're, if we're to believe the news, the guy who contacted me every day, they say died today at 38. And I I have no idea whether it's true or not. I'm hoping not. 38, but it's, wow. Yeah. It's, it's br something brutal happens in wrestling. Yeah, it's like, like the 1920s. Did you guys ever watch the movie The Wrestler? Yeah. Mickey yeah. Rourke? Yeah. No, I never saw it. How did you not <laughs> see this? Because you would love it. This is like uh, right out of your own heart. Your stented up old heart <laughs> that keeps exploding. He he was great in it. And it was almost if like beefcake, if like Brutus beefcake. Okay. Uh, like, you know, he was like the beefcake of his time. That kind of really, character. really, good, yeah. It's like Rocky, yeah. but less Hollywood. Yeah, it was like Rocky if Rocky really yeah, if it was real. ended up just like a regular guy in Philly yeah. who did something if, once. <laughs> if the fight wasn't close. <laughs> yeah. Apollo really kicked his ass. <laughs> That's why I think the first Rocky is like amazingly yeah. great, and everyone after that is like fucking bullshit science fiction. Well, I, there's only one Rocky, and that's Rocky V. <laughs> Rocky V. <laughs> to me. <laughs> Tommy Gunn. Yeah. Sue me for what? That's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Everything before that is just ugh. I love I love Rocky uh uh 3 with Thunderlips. 
Oh, Hulk yeah, Hogan, yeah. Mr. T. That actually put Hogan over, right? Yeah. He wasn't big before that. No, that was, that was the that was the moment. Really? Yeah. See, I don't, I, that's before my time. Like, I saw all of that stuff hindsight, but is that then, the case? Yeah, and then those guys that he hooked up with Mr. T. Yep. Mr. T got in the ring with him. Was right. it the first WrestleMania? First Second WrestleMania. One. Was it the first one? Yeah, the first one was Hogan and T against uh, Piper and Orndorff. Oh, that's right. And the second match. one was Bundy, right? Yeah, Russell, no, yeah, WrestleMania 2 was Bundy. Mm-hmm. You I, in the cage. The, the, I remember being a little kid seeing the first time Andre the Giant came into Philly, and it fucking was the most frightening thing I ever saw in my life. It was like, it was, like, how could this even be real? Really? Yeah, he just came in just throwing guys out of the ring, <laughs> and I was like a little kid, and I'm like, nothing can stop this. This is this yeah. what it felt like to be like, Polish when the Nazi tanks were rolling in <laughs> and going past your house. He's like, we're doomed. That's it. There's nothing we can do. We had the a first, good run. The first time I saw him, he was in a six-man tag team match, so it was him and a tag team. Yeah. And he carried the two other guys in on his shoulders into the arena. He used to do that with chicks. He was a good actor in that one movie. Princess Bride? Yeah. Do you think he had, like, a regular-sized dick? We, Fez and I have seen him naked before. You have? Uh, yeah, backstage at one of those things. He was playing cards. Just refused to wear clothes. But I wouldn't look over at his dick. But he also had, like, big growths all over him. Like these oh. weird fucking skin things that were, really? like, yeah, big as golf balls. Like yeah, just them. huge skin tags. Is that what they were? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Even though, like, he had his shirt off all the time, I never noticed that. Well, a lot of it was on his legs and stuff, his thighs. Go for, uh, see if you can do skin tags for him. Actually, do skin tags for all the wrestlers and see what we can <laughs> See if there's a ranking. <laughs> uh, Michael Chase oh, is going to be performing at Caroline's oh, tomorrow, God. Thursday, uh, January 8th through Saturday, January 10th, carolines.com for tickets. And then, of course, Serenel Live returns next Saturday with uh, host Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart. That's, that's right. Great. No skin tags. Kevin Hart on top of the world, huh? It, uh, he's really, really uh, crushing it right now. Yeah. It's kind of amazing to see how, like, you know, we watched it in, like, the past three years. He yeah. went from being, like, a, a big, respected comic to being larger in life, you know. Yeah, he really is. And, and couldn't be a nicer guy. And very few guys make that movie transition as seamless as he has. You the know? cool thing is he's making, like, black movies, but they're not calling them black movies. Right, you throw Josh Gad in with them. And, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a black movie if Josh Gad is in it. Well, you know, like, you know, like, they'll, they'll, like the movie with Ice Cube? It's yeah. a black right along. It made yeah. like two hundred million dollars, three hundred million dollars, and no one considers it. They just consider it a comedy, which but, is all we want. Yeah, to right, not be exactly. considered, you know. Well, I know something crazy in the world happened when Ice Cube started to do like Chevy Chase van- vacation movies, right? Because yeah, I feel at- a little betrayed. That was yeah. To me, Ice Cube was like one of the scariest fucking people ever. Yep. And now he's just like Kids keep him down back there. <laughs> 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 what do you keep on the lyrics? All the guy. Well, Ice T's a cop. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Fifteen years he's been a cop, but he still acts like Ice T. What a cop! Yeah, he's, he made cop killer. Yeah. 
Well, he also, about the same time of Cobb Killer, though, he did New Jack. That's New true. Jack City. That's true. But yeah, but at least he got to, he was like undercover as Rogue a drug cop. Yeah. Yeah. He was like a badass of, cop. Like he was a badass. Shit. He got he in shot trouble. that smiley face in that thing, even though it was in his house. He was just shooting a gun in the house. Yeah. He's crazy. Well, him and Judd yeah. Nelson had to train. To That's the, the last Carter. time I saw Judd Nelson. I don't know if I've seen him since. I think he was on a sitcom for a while. No way. I think Judd Nelson no. was on a sitcom. That's a bummer. <laughs> Judd Nelson was pretty badass. Man. Like Judd Nelson could have a black girlfriend. I wouldn't even mind. <laughs> <laughs> That's how cool he was. <laughs> Who would be the first guy to be on your nerves if he had a black girlfriend? The first guy, uh, Bill O'Reilly. Okay. Because I'm sure he would say horrible things yeah. in bed. <laughs> and she'd have to be okay with it. I'm sure he would say some awful things. The it would be. Sharecropper would come off that. He'd go that deep. Oh, into his man. Fantasy It'd life. be like ghetto gaggers level <laughs> racist. <laughs> <laughs> I actually met him in person. He's a huge dude, yeah, man. He's, yeah. he's a big guy. Hey, listen, black people, if you think you're going to go up to Bill O'Reilly and hit him, don't. He's a big guy. That's <laughs> a wall of a man. Hicks, did you see how my, the John Cena thing on the uh, on the iBang, how big he can, how no, much he can lift? Yeah. John Cena can have a black girlfriend. I'd be cool yeah. with that. He's strong as shit. Jesus. He might be the strongest guy in wrestling, like pound for pound. You think anybody's stronger, Fez? I know you still follow. Like he, he throws Big Show up like yeah. like he's a cruiserweight. I think Cesaro is stronger than him. Really? But here's the thing: Cena is not a young guy anymore. Lesnar. No, Cena is. If he's not forty, he's in that neighborhood, and he doesn't he doesn't give that off. Lesnar, Lesnar might be too. Lesnar's fucking frightening for real. You know who else? Caveman. Kurt Angle. That guy's really yeah. strong. It's like just like pound for pound, he's a strong dude, man. For like for what his size, because he's not big like Cena and, and Lesnar. He's probably no. like two hundred thirty pounds, two hundred twenty pounds. He's also one of those guys who like probably started wrestling at six months old or some shit. Yeah, he's got know. like that pit bull neck. Yeah, ears are all fucked up. It's like they put candle wax over their ears. <laughs> I saw Bruno San Martino at a convention not How too old long ago. <laughs> this was just a Bruno San Martino His in a ear- cotton field. Where was no. it? <laughs> you went to meet him. It was he was at a like a, at one the of the Comic Cons, and he. <laughs> <laughs> that was the day Superman number one came out. Was there. And well, mine. <laughs> So you paid your nickel and you saw. I saw. Hey, everybody, it's Bruno. It's Bruno San Martino. The champ is here. Hey, champ, it's me, Fess Watley. You had one of those paper hats. It was great. Well, what what happened? I saw old Bruno San Martino, and his ears were so cauliflowered that the ear holes were gone. Wow. It was just ear cartilage that had filled up the whole thing. I don't know how he was hearing. How do you know he wasn't just putting snot there for years and years and years, and that's what happened? <laughs> it's quite a buildup then. The ear isn't that fucking good. You know what I mean? Like, the ear will get fucked up quick. Oh, yeah. it'll tear easy. But to even just get that disfigured from being rubbed. Really? Yeah. That's why there's wrestlers. It's just from being in headlocks. There's uh, what's his name? His ear popped off, right? Uh, Mick Foley's. Foley's yeah, he, ear came yeah. off. Yep. 
Oh, that's how that happened? It yeah. popped off? That yeah. was, I think that was... Off a rope? Yeah, off a ring rope. Oh. Man, when you fucking hit those ring ropes, you'd be surprised. Uh, that fucking actually hurts. You know, like you see the guys... Yeah, they're like Brooklyn Bridge up. cables. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> right. like, the next day, you know, we, we went to train with them and shit before we did stuff. And the first day, you were just bouncing off the ropes. And you're like, ow, okay, ow, this is fun. And the next day, you're like, uh, I don't know if I'm going to go in and do the show. <laughs> just fucking bouncing off the ropes. You can't imagine what these guys put. Oh, that picture of his ear. Yeah, it's Foley. Uh, oh, that's when it popped off? Yeah. 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 Oof. Who gave more to wrestling than Foley? No one. Nobody. No one. No one. I love yeah. that Foley. Cactus Jack, man. I remember my. that's how I saw NWA wrestling the first time. Yeah. It was Cactus Jack. I don't know. I think it was like him and Nikita Koloff or something like that. I remember seeing all the blood in the match. I never seen because yeah. the WWF they didn't really show Not blood. Not like those guys. Right. It was like Saturday at one p.m. Yeah, you know like they didn't really show those guys. It would be you couldn't end the match without like uh, Dusty Rhodes completely covered in blood. <laughs> yeah, and his forehead looks like a road map now. It was just like. Well, because it's just scar it's tissue, little, yeah. yeah, it's just little uh, razor clips. Yeah, it everywhere. looks like a slave back. Yeah. Here's another thing that we learned, that you take aspirins so you bleed more. Those guys would always eat aspirins when they knew they were going to open up. And that the thing used to be, they used to call it red turns to, uh, to green. So if you opened up during a match, you'd get an extra 25 or 50 bucks or whatever, like in the old road things. So it was like, yeah, it's coming to you. But the guy would always cut his own forehead because if they do each other, it, it got messy. Yeah, like yeah. yeah, you got to. Yeah, I wouldn't want to. Uh, could you imagine cutting somebody? You ever cut someone before with something? No, it would be really, really difficult. <laughs> it would be very, very hard. Look at this. Who's that guy? That's from ECW, That's new, right? New Jack. Yeah, from ECW. New Jack got sued for opening somebody's, like a, um, a. Uh, no, it was like a jobber. Yeah, and he went in and gashed him open really, really big. See, New Jack, I think. Well, I don't even want to say it, but I think it might be mentally insane. <laughs> he's like, you know what I mean? Crazy. Well, yeah. Like he used forehead. to be like a, a bounty hunter or something, and he says he has a bunch of justifiable homicides on his. I don't know. Judy Ju Jackson's insane. It looks like his forehead had lipo. And like the first time I saw it, when ECW came to uh, New York, like when it was on Mad Square Garden, like one in the morning, blew my mind. I was like, "What is this? I've never even seen this much." What time? What year was that? That was probably '96 or so, '97. When uh, MSG here in New York City uh, started uh, airing it, and it was just like, oh, that's right, yeah, like one in the morning for like a half hour or an hour. And, Sabu, yeah, Sabu, and like the Dully Boys. And See, we used to know all these wrestlers in, in Florida, so we heard about it before we even saw it. Like they would say, hey, this shit's happening in in Philly. They would say where all of the fucking fans are smart. And I go, what do you mean? And they were like, no, they understand what we're doing. And they'll just, like, if it's a slow match, they'll yell, take it home. And they yell all of our phrases back at us. And I'm like, is, and I'm like saying to them, like, all right, if you break the kayfabe, isn't that going to ruin everything? And they're like, I don't know, man. It's really cool. Like, they were all, all the young guys were just fucking talking about it all the time. And wanting to get in on it. It's kind of, it was exciting to see because when it came on here, it was like, it wasn't even like a wrestling program. It was like a, it was almost like an infomercial. It would be like commercials oh, yeah, and just highlights and all that shit. Yeah. Yeah. And he would just be screaming through it. Yeah. Pieces. Even, yeah what was Paulie your favorite of those matches? Who, who was, 
Because there's a lot of great guys. Oh, it was Rob Van Dam and Sabu when they were a tag team. Anything, that was just crazy. Yeah, anything with Sabu and RVD was nuts. The Sandman was amazing with the beer can. Sand the Sandman was, was uh, all about that, although he wasn't a great wrestling. No. But for me, it was head. Head, head. <laughs> 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 that time they threw like 18,000 yeah. oh, yeah, heads in the yeah. I'm like, nothing. Nothing could ever be fucking funner than this. And Raven was no. cool, too. Raven. Love Raven. His beef with Sandman was amazing. Yeah, man, they just—they came out of nowhere with that. Just beating up women and just like, like, and like they were like hot, but they weren't like like in the WWE. They were like polished. These yeah, they like were like real chicks that you would know. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like Francine or whatever. They're yeah, like, yeah. Some chick from Long Island. It was great. Yeah, I would, I would, I would say like the kind of girls that would hang around radio stations, but not everybody <laughs> had the same background as me. You know, but they were what we would call ninth callers. Yeah, when they come in later, I'd like to show you around. But um, who was the, the genius behind all that? That was Paul Heyman. Just Paul? Nobody else? I I think it was just Paul. I I mean Joey Styles might have been in on it, but I think it was mostly Paul. He's got to be genius to do that. He's still like the best talker in wrestling. That's what I think wrestling because wrestling's the only show I DVR yeah. and I'm on TV. <laughs> like literally, like, that's the only show that I that I watch on DVR, and it's crazy how like now there's not as many people as good on the mic as it used to be. It used to be like, so every wrestler, that's how you got good. You know what I mean? Right. The Rock and Austin, all those guys, they were amazing on the microphone. Now it's like Paul Heyman and like two other guys that are pretty Somebody good. told me that they actually write for those guys now and not let them go off. And I think that's uh, a Is mistake. that the difference? Yeah. Because in the old days, you just go. You, you take Randy Savage and he would enter <laughs> talking crazy trying to find his way back to it and you'd be like, at the end of it, like, that was kind of great. You know? It would make so much sense if somebody wrote it for yeah. Randy Savage and he just couldn't remember the lines. Thank you. Just, like, yeah. <laughs> just the fucking nuttiest shit. A warrior. And, yeah. And the, the way that he would try to, to like tie things in with the seasons, you know what I mean? <laughs> Christmas present for you know you're like oh, you're stretching this dude. You don't even remember who you're fighting, yeah. do you? He doesn't give a shit. That match isn't happening for three months when you cut this. <laughs> I was I remember the day I found out Randy Savage was white. Is that right? That broke my heart. <laughs> I thought he was a black dude all this time. I thought he was, well, I thought he was like Puerto Rican or something. Uh, you know he. I think went up to AAA as a catcher. It was a really, That's really right. I heard that. great uh, uh, wrestler and athlete and was really dedicated to it. And when I had a comedy club down in Tampa, he used to come all the time. And I was friends with him and Elizabeth. And he was always so crazy. So he would say stuff like, yeah, I want to come over, but keep it low. <laughs> I don't want a lot of this shit yet. And I'd go, okay, here's what we'll do. I'll bring you guys into the kitchen and I'll put you back in. And I'm like, nobody would even see it. Great. And then he would come in. He would still have stuff tied to his arms. <laughs> Strings hanging down. And Elizabeth was beautiful. And then she would get up to go to the bathroom like during the show. And he would get up and stand in front of the door so nobody could come in. And these people would just look over. And there was much... At his full, yeah, you know full I mean? size, full size, full uh, fame, and all. Yeah, somebody's in here. You know what I mean? Like he was <laughs> so, and that was him keeping it. You know, 
and to people that didn't watch wrestling, he must look like the craziest man in oh, the world. Oh, yeah. And he legit, legitimately was. I mean, that thing about him, it never was normal. None of those guys were ever fucking normal. I, I, I would have loved him. He was my favorite coming up. Him and Piper were like, you couldn't tell me nothing about those dudes. I, I think, and Fez, you would back me up, that he's like one of the sweetest guys that absolutely we've ever met yeah just the nicest kindest guy I, I did a sketch with him one time where he slapped me like the bit was i we, we did this stuff in front of like little kids and we shot it for tv and then when he left i said to the kids wasn't he a sissy or whatever so he would come back and get and he fucking slapped me on the arm and that was like the end of the thing and i was just trying to stand there but my arm was was like fucking numb and he's like known as the slap. smaller guy yeah like he would be, a, he was like a small champion. Yeah, but only compared to those freaks. Only compared you know? to Andre. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> that's nuts. I, I, yeah, I, I would love to. Adam, it's sad that he was never came back to WWE. Yeah, would have been great to see him back on the microphone. Uh, Even we, Warrior got to. Yeah, Warrior. Yeah, right before the end. Uh, with all that, I guess we got to say ECW Zombie. We'll have to look into that, but yeah. I. I hope these rumors are true. Michael Che, good to see you again, buddy. Man, I had a ball. I always have a ball here. You know that. You know, I know that, but I got to tell you something else, too. We're all rooting for you, and everybody is crazy about you. So keep oh, running thanks, with this Oh, thanks, man. Statement. This is so much fun. I'm, I'm having a great time, man. Comedy, we're really lucky to do what we do. Stand by for more of the best of Ron and Fez on Raw Dog. Raw Dog. This is the best of Ron and Fez. Ron and Fez on Raw Dog. Raw Dog. Comedy Hits. Channel 99. The Ron and Fez Show presents the funniest people of all time. This is Unmasked with one of the most iconic comedy teams of all time. Cheech and Chong. First of all, guys, thanks a lot for doing what we've been begging you to do for the last couple decades, and that is come back together and take our money. It really is. <laughs> well, it works out really good because it, it cuts out 150 hours of court-mandated community. Oh. So, so it's a win-win for everybody. Yeah. I, I wonder if we would have bet years ago which one of you guys was going to do time. I don't know which way we would have went on. Really? It was a coin flip. Yeah. <laughs> but well, it was faster than I am. Yeah. <laughs> I don't leave a mark. <laughs> But we really have been standing around with money for a lot of years going, when do you guys want to come out and take this? When do you want to, what do you want to do this? Yeah, uh, you know, it, it, it ha almost happened a bunch of times. We tr kept trying to get together, and then something would happen, and then we actually were working on a movie when and Tommy got uh, uh, popped, and then he went, he went to the big house, <laughs> uh, to the rock, and... Uh, and then we started putting it back together slowly after he came back. Yeah. 
Because I, it had to be a little while because I I couldn't hang out with a convicted felon. <laughs> <laughs> part of my deal. <laughs> Bring the immigration down. Yeah. <laughs> you know what those people nosing around? You know? yeah, right. <laughs> we should have everybody here dressed like cops today. Just be... <laughs> it's like one of those things where you think you win Yankee tickets. <laughs> All those guys show up together. <laughs> Their kids. This is great. Uh, build a better bounce trap. <laughs> <laughs> so it was really. This would have happened earlier if it uh, wasn't for the bust. And that I guess took years, right? But well, I had a problem. You know, I was trying to get back with Cheech. You know, and then I was trying to find another Cheech. You know, <laughs> so I even had a show called To Catch a Mexican. <laughs> <laughs> Used to hang out in front of Home Depot. Yeah. You know, just yeah. <laughs> when I find a Mexican that looked like Cheech, I'd hire him, you know? <laughs> it didn't work out. His job was to get high with him. <laughs> <laughs> just to have a Mexican guy to sit yeah, by the pool with. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's all worked out for the good. You yeah. Know? Sure it did. Uh, it's timing. Yeah. It's really timing. But, you know, a lot of bands get back together and people, you know. What, what, <laughs> they hate each other. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's well, what they find out. <laughs> the well, sting in the boys, you know. Well, um, I think that you can only spend so much time with someone that you're not having sex with before you go, this is this Even is if you're having sex with them. <laughs> oh, job, you know? oh. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot about your guys' track record to marriage as well. Yeah. Jeez. I'm, I'm, I'm on track right now. <laughs> yeah, you know, no, the thing is, when you get like bands get back together and they mm -hmm. can just sit there and hide behind their instrument or sing or they don't even have to talk to each other we got to be two inches from each mm. other all the time talking to each other and really making that come alive and uh, that was mm, the question in the back of my mind can we do that mm -hmm. and yeah I mean it, it, we, we can't fake it right. so it's either we get along and we do this or we don't well you know our problem was not being together when we were together we had no problem you know and, and back in the day you know we had to share a hotel room or when we did our first movie we shared a, a trailer you know yeah. and then when as we got successful that's what brought us apart you know and all of a sudden we each got our own lawyer we got our own camp you know and and that's really what caused the uh, the friction you know yeah, comedians don't really do well in meetings you know the whole reason to become a comic is to yeah. not have to go to meetings but then when you have money Meetings have to well, play. comics. We like to talk, and we don't like to listen to people talk. <laughs> the best meeting we ever had is like early in the career. We're, we're, we're on a record run. I think we made two or three records that we were doing. And TV was the guys from TV were coming after us. They really wanted NBC. They wanted us to do a show, and we had no intention of doing it. You know, going on TV at that time it was lame. It was like we were on underground FM artists, you know. And uh, so I had I just moved out to the beach, and and I had scored a big block of hash. <laughs> <laughs> and every morning I would get up and light it, and I look. Oh, there's waves! I go out body surfing every day. Come home for lunch, have some more hash, go to sleep, get up, and, do, and I did this for three days. And then they called me and said, "We got this meeting with NBC, and it's a big deal." And I was okay. <laughs> so I came and I kind of put on some clothes and went there, but my head was full of water. <laughs> so everybody's like, you know, in this meeting, well, 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 well we got to do this. We can offer this and a three-year extension here, and blah blah blah. And I'm just like hearing everything in echo. You know? 
know. <laughs> and so they said, well, what do you think, Cheech? And so I leaned forward to say something, and about two gallons of water came up <laughs> out of my nose. Glug, 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 glug. <laughs> little you know, fish like, came out. Seaweed. Yeah. So we don't like Well, they did. They did the TV show without us. This, uh, this guy named uh, James Comax uh, followed us around for three months. <laughs> And and tried to get us to do a show, and we wouldn't do it. So they they ended up doing a show called Chico and the Man, right, with yeah. uh, Freddie Prince. Now that was kind of based on based on our uh, one of a yeah. bit that we uh, one of the old bits that we did, the Old Man in the Park. So did they feel like they needed to pay you for this? Or I they to, didn't feel like it. No. <laughs> I, I talked to Comax on the phone after, and and he just apologized. He says, yeah, I know. Sorry. <laughs> That's all. Yeah. Well, we, we didn't care. Just anymore. a giant success. Why? You know, why would I want any of that money? No. Well, yeah, but then you look at what happened to Freddie Prince. You know, yeah. so. Thank That's you. That's why we never. <laughs> That's why, that's why we never did uh, television, you know, because it was, too, it was too controlling, you know. They 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 would try to you know fix our show for it, you know? yeah. and and the the beauty of Cheech and Chong was that. You know, people would ask us, you know, do you guys, oh, what are you going to do? And we'd tell them the truth. We don't know right. <laughs> until we got there, you know, until we had to do it. Yeah, know. it would be hard to think about you guys on TV at that time because you were the thing that everybody wanted to hide from their parents. Like, yeah, exactly. You did not, it wasn't family entertainment. You know, the only TV that we could do was was the straightest TV, like afternoon shows. We we talked about that. Yeah. Saturday Night Live would never have us on, you know, because we were just too radical for them. But uh, Virginia Graham or, or or Mike Douglas, Dinosaur. Yeah. I remember the Dinosaur. Merv Griffin. Yeah. Uh, uh, Helen Re Helen Redding Ready? had no, us on. No. And Dick Clark. I remember the Dinah Shore. Didn't you like kind of bring up getting high with her daughter or something during the show? Her daughter discovered us. Yeah. It was one of the instrumental in the discovery. Her uh, 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 Melissa Montgomery, and uh, she was the Lou Adler, who was our producer, yeah. sent her to us. She she was the emissary. He says, "Oh, Lou Adler's in the crowd," and, and she was the girlfriend of Danny Hutton. Yeah, yeah, Danny Hutton, one of the Three Dog Night guys at the time. Yeah, yeah I just remember Dinah Shore uh, when you said, "Yeah, we get high with your daughter." It looked like somebody had hit her in the face with like a with like a pizza pan. It was real quick. She's like, "Are you joking?" It's a little joke. Their kids. Yeah. <laughs> now we're at the age where people tell us, you know, hey, yeah. hey you got high with your daughter. <laughs> hey, you know your daughter. <laughs> you know you talk about gro you know, uh, groupies. <laughs> when we went back, back together, we had a girl come up and say, "My grandma used." To what would you guys? <laughs> no. I just said my grandma used to do you guys. Well, I'm trying to be nice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, don't worry about that. Yeah. You're fine. Um, but, you know, Cheech and Chong was probably the last great comedy team that America had. I mean, comedy team. Well, there's a new one coming up. Yeah, what's that? Um... Glenn Beck and uh, Bill O'Reilly. <laughs> now I want to see those groupies, man. Groupies for those we, we were on Bill O'Reilly last night, and he and he, you know, he was. Bill says, "Yeah, we're going out on tour too. Who's we?" And he's uh, Glenn Beck and I. I want to see that show, boy. Well, they would have been great to play the bad guys in any of your movies. Oh yeah. Oh no, the comedy, the, 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 the comedy teams are hard to keep together and hard to do because 
it involves a, a, a compromise and coordination, you know. Yeah. And so generally, stand-up comedians have their own particular voice, and it's hard to. But we came out of an acting, a musician first. We were musicians mm-hmm. always, and then and then an acting background, uh, improv acting. So that was our natural rhythm. So we didn't have any act that we were kind of trying to get together. Well, we always thought we were a group. We yeah. never called ourselves a team. <laughs> <laughs> What's the name of your group? <laughs> yeah, we were a group. And it was Cheech and Chong because we decided I'd been in groups. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then, I, then I got fired from my own group, mm-hmm. you know. So I didn't want a group. And so when Cheech and I decided that, you know, we we discovered that we could do a comedy, just the two of us, then we decided to call ourselves by our name so we wouldn't be yeah. replaced. But he, no, he, <laughs> Tommy actually, he, that was one of the things he insisted, his name being, at first it was Tommy Chong and the City Work. Mm-hmm. And I was the city work, I guess. Tommy was asking, we were, we were going, we were driving down one night, and we were kind of getting ready to come to L.A. And he says, well, do we, we got a name, Richard, my, my real name. So it's Richard and Tommy now, uh, Marin and Chong. And I said, do you have a nickname? And I go, and my nickname in the family is Cheech. And, mm-hmm. goes, and he goes, Cheech and Chong. And it was never Chong and Cheech. It was always Cheech because it, it sounded right. absolutely perfect. And that's probably the musical ear too, behind yeah. the makeup, yeah. which sounds right lyrically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it just worked out fine. You know, Cheech and Chong. We had a linguist uh, expert in UCLA one time explain what the the what we had done by naming ourselves Cheech and Chong. It was like his first name, my last name. Um, a whole whole bunch of stuff that There's I didn't understand. There's only one other team that has a first name and a last name. Do you know which one? No. Penn and Teller. Oh, Penn and Teller. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And one of them doesn't speak. Yeah. <laughs> and still gets half the money? Is that how it works? Yeah. <laughs> uh, a lot of times when you hear those silent guys speak, you understand why they don't speak. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so really uh, a big part of what you guys comes down is this, whatever the mystical timing is between you. And then I think the other thing that's really interesting is like that there's no reason for the two characters ever to be together before that moment. Even yeah. in your m- movies, you didn't start out like, oh, we lived together, just boom, you guys yeah. came together. Yeah. Um, yeah. Was that thought of or is that just, just made sense to you? It's just it's just the way that happened, you know. Mm-hmm. We were we had this bit we had been doing about the guy hitchhiking, yeah. And it just seemed natural that that's the way it was, and how these guys why would these two guys be together? It's yeah. the same question. Guy picks them up hitchhiking, yeah. And they have common interests. They want to form a band together. All, right. In the first minute, they're together. And the reason, like we weren't like two Mexicans or two Chinese guys or two white guys, and that is that. We're two opposites, right? Like he's from you know Chicano from Mexico, kind of you know from you know East LA. I'm from Canada, mm. and so I had he was Cheech really literally was the first Mexican I'd ever met in my life. You know, <laughs> and, and in Canada, you know, when you go to school in Canada, they teach you Mexicans. They they show you a guy with a sombrero and a donkey. <laughs> you know, this is Pedro, and Pedro sleeps all day. You know. <laughs> <laughs> and this is Pedro's donkey. Yeah, that was my concept. <laughs> <laughs> that was my concept of, of of Mexican. And Mexican food was like a what do they call them? Tacos. Tacos. Yeah, tacos. yeah you can have a taco. <laughs> Canadians eat tacos. And so so getting together, 
he had to kind of explain his culture to me and his, you know Pedro in yeah. the character and and I would ask questions that every every guy that doesn't know Mexicans would ask yeah. and that would cause the comedy that that, that created the that's, comedy that was our decision that influenced our decision to come back to the the states yeah. uh, either go to New York or L A you had to go one of the two if you wanted to make it New York was cold uh, <laughs> and L A was warm and I knew and I was from there so that's yeah. we made that decision. It's just crazy to think that Cheech, I guess, from a Mexican standpoint, discovered Canada. Yeah. You got there. <laughs> well, the well, Vietnam they, they, War helped. They, they thought I was Indian. I mean, yeah. American. I'd be hitchhiking. I, was, I first went to Calgary, where he grew up. Yeah. Uh, I went to Calgary, and I'd be hitchhiking. They'd go, hey, hop in, Chief. You know? <laughs> Chief. <laughs> so you were in Canada because? Because of the Well, initially because of the draft. Uh, mm-hmm. I, actually, it was it was it was a fifty-fifty proposition. I, I the draft was after me. I was uh, uh, involved in the draft resistance movement with mm-hmm. David Harris and and John Bias, and, and we we were causing a little upset for the people in the states. And so they uh, uh, it coincided with I, I was a potter at the same time as my last year of college, and I discovered pottery and it released my inner Mexican. <laughs> and, and I go, so I wanted to be a potter. So my teacher says, I got this. Student, ex student who's opened up a pottery in Canada, maybe he needs an assistant. That's all I needed. And so I left there, and then in the interim, uh, uh, I, I got drafted while I was there, illegally, I might add. <laughs> My case went to the Supreme Court, actually got thrown out. Yeah. And uh, so I, I was there, well, Canada, okay, uh, to Calgary, Alberta. Yeah. Which is like I was expecting Sergeant Preston, you know, and yeah. it looked like Bakersfield, you know. <laughs> That's where I grew up. Yeah. I grew up in Calgary. And Chief moved right right next to where I grew up. I met a lot of the people that he grew up with, yeah. and I kept hearing this legend of this guy, Tommy Chong. Right. Uh, in a lot of different contexts, I go meet people, and they go, Tommy Chong, oh, he's with, he's with his band, he wrote Does Your Mama Know About Me, there was a Motown, yeah. and it was this legendary character. And, uh, and, and, and I actually discovered his song, I was in Banff, I was living in Banff, and I turned over the Supreme's Love Child album, and there was this great song called Does Your Mama Know About Me? And I go, oh, it's a really beautiful song about interracial love, and I turn, what brother wrote this? T. Chong. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Tommy was black for a while, I guess, there during the Motown years. Um, You really kind of lived that lifestyle. And like you said, you both were, even before you put the Cheech and Chong thing together, you were both kind of anti-establishment at a time where that was really the right thing to be doing because civil you know civil rights and yeah. I mean there was righteous fights to fight now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. big time yeah yeah, yeah. big time Calgary <laughs> I grew up in Calgary I tell this story a lot uh, I lived in a in an all white area you know I ended up in an all white low blue collar kind of area and the guy next door to me he he had two black German uh, two black uh, what do you call them uh, water dogs um uh, Black dogs, yeah, anyway. Black dogs. Um, He's water dogs. Yeah. Yeah. They uh, and he called them. Uh, one was called nigger. 
<laughs> and every night he'd go out and, and he'd go, hey, nigger, 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 come on here, boy. Come on in here, boy. Nigger, nigger, get in here, boy. <laughs> every night, man. <laughs> That's what I heard. And then they had these Brazil nuts in the, in the, in the stores that they called nigger toes. <laughs> and I, I'd been in stores and I, there's a black lady standing in line waiting and there's a guy said, hey, give me a pound of those nigger toes. <laughs> And I looked at the black lady's face, and she just got all mad. You know, you can see her mad. The guy had no idea what he was saying. And then they had little Calgary. candies. They had candies in a jar called nigger babies, <laughs> little little licorice babies. You know, oh, give me a couple of those nigger babies too with a nigger toe. Hop in, chief. Oh. I grew up there, yeah. man. I had no idea that my my uncle must be Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was it was hilarious. Yeah, yeah. they would they would, I always got that question when I went to Canada. Like they would they take them like a minute. And they would you, you see them studying. You're like, what, what are, are you? you? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm Chicano. What's that? It's Mexican derivative. You know? Oh, wow! Never you know like like I landed from Mars or something, right? <laughs> So, with the, both of you guys having a music background, you're both doing improv theater. Wh you were in a full group together at yeah, first, yeah. or uh -huh. well, when I got to landed in Vancouver, a friend made it to Vancouver. Tommy had started this improv theater company in a topless bar that his family owned, mm. so it was topless improv. Uh, <laughs> that was as much fun as you could have. Yeah, you know. Weed-inspired, by the way. Yeah, yeah, sure. What happened, I got fired from Motown. <laughs> you know, they found out I wasn't black. <laughs> and they fired me. I got fired by a white girl, uh, Barry Gordy's girlfriend. She fired me. And, and then Barry hired me back, but it was too late. I, I, I was ready to get out of there. And, and so I went back to Vancouver uh, with my girlfriend, and uh, we... Uh, we, I was looking around for something to do. I, I didn't want to start a band. You know, I ended up, uh, we had this nightclub with the topless girls and that, and I worked the lights. I, I'd be the light guy, and, and I'd watch the show, and then it was boring. But I noticed the girls were so beautiful when they come in off the street before they put on their costumes, they'd be in their street clothes. And so I thought it would be great if, if they got on stage and took off their street clothes. That's much sexier. And so then I thought of a skit, and I wrote a skit for them, and they did it, and it was went over really well. Tommy had seen uh, uh, improv committees when he... Uh, the committee. The yeah. committee in Second City. City when he was on the road. And so, so I started doing that, and then the, the <laughs> I had a tap dancer named uh, Taps Harris was uh, MC, and so I said, well, in Taps just used to say, hey, okay, here's the next girl, here's another girl, and here's Sally, give her a nice round of applause. But I said, you're called Taps, so you can tap dance. He said, yeah. So I wrote him tap dancing in the skit. And and not only he was good, but he got an he'd, he'd get an encore. He he performed, then he get an clap. <laughs> hey, let's see some more of that. He quit. <laughs> he quit. He said, "Man, I can't do this. <laughs> do hard work." It was it was in the in the hippie days. Yeah. You know, it was in the in the late sixties and and Vancouver, which was like the San Francisco of Canada. And so anything went. So we had this kind of yeah. street theater. And then I I I met up with Tommy, and I joined as a writer. 
Uh, I told him I was this great improv actor writer from L.A., which was an improv in itself. And <laughs> said okay. And yeah, well, when when Cheech joined, we had a straight guy. We had a, a, a the the way I got on, on onto the stage, I was directing it, and then when Taps quit, I I, I had a doorman that was a very funny looking guy. I said, Dave, do you want to do this? And Dave says, I'll do it if you do it. And so, oh, okay. So then, next thing you know, Dave and I are on stage, and then we had a we hired a straight guy, uh, a, a magician named Rick, Rick Lenz. Yeah, Rick Lenz. And he was very straight. He played the, all the cop parts. We played the hippie parts, and then we do these skits. Then, uh, but Rick, they all ended with girls taking their clothes yeah. off. Then Rick, <laughs> Rick's <laughs> wife found out what he was doing because we got press right away, and they, the press is great, and they had Rick Lenz's picture, and so his wife found out that when he was <laughs> working with these naked girls, she she thought he was doing theater and so she hauled him off and so i was looking for a straight guy and then this friend of a friend said mentioned this uh, this guy from la uh, richard so i met went, went and met with richard then he came down and saw the show and then he joined the show and and it was like an understudy. Cheech was yeah, an yeah, understudy. Tell everybody in the it was what it was was hippie burlesque. Yeah, no. is that what that's what we were doing? We were doing hippie burlesque, you know, <laughs> and we were the first ones doing it. But all the great the comedians. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let me tell you that was at that age. It was you know I was getting paid five dollars more to hang out with with naked chicks, smoke dope, and do improv than to deliver carpets. So <laughs> mm, I don't know. All right, let me see the girls. Uh, well, okay, you know. So it was, and we got so many bits because the the people that behind the scenes, we had a, a kid named Strawberry, was a homeless kid I I, I saw on the street, and the he alley. ended up living in the club, in the light booths, and that's where he stayed. And then he, he, I taught him how to do the lights. And he was our biggest, best critic. And he was like a writer, too. We'd do a bit and it would be real bad. And we'd come back and Strawberry go, oh, man. <laughs> you guys really suck, man. And that's where I got my yeah. character from. Yeah, yeah. When we, we started Strawberry. doing the things, it was right off Strawberry. Strawberry, blackout. <laughs> blackout, Strawberry, blackout. God <laughs> Oh yeah. <laughs> so at this time it's all fun. You're not really thinking about taking it out of the club. It's just, you know, really you know, it, it, it's weird how we are because we really don't think that far ahead. We yeah. never have. Yeah. We we're just at the of the moment. We we think we had to work. We had to do. We did two shows a night. You know, yeah. two almost like two hour shows, yeah. and we had take suggestions from the audience. <laughs> then the audience would leave. <laughs> And the new audience would come in, and we'd sit there and say, okay, here's for your suggestion. <laughs> <laughs> but that's how we created the material. Yeah. We had to. Yeah. You know? And we, was, had to, we had to do it for, like, bikers and horny businessmen and, you know. <laughs> and then, it, then we changed the crowd, and that's why we ended up losing our job. We changed our crowd from, you know, <laughs> bikers that would, you know, spend money, any kind of money, to, to theater goers. <laughs> was a wine. Then we'll have a wine. Yes. <laughs> and the club would be packed with these people that weren't spending money. Yeah. You know? yeah on booze. The and girls so, aren't so my tips. brother fired us. Yeah. <laughs> and so when we, we, we got fired, Cheech and I started a band, and then the band didn't work. We, in fact, the first night we were supposed to play, we never played a note. We just went up and did comedy and went over <laughs> so good, we never played. Yeah. 
left for LA the next day. Yeah. No, not the next day. A week. Was it a week? A week because we did the. Oh, we Ronnie Smalls. We, we yeah. did Ronnie Smalls. Yeah. We did um, a show with, uh, or we went down to this little club because I wanted to try us out in a little club first, and there's a little jazz club, blues club actually. And we saw T-Bone Walker, okay. you know, the legendary yeah. T-Bone Walker. And T-Bone was so drunk, man. <laughs> he was so drunk. They had to sit him down, and then they give him his guitar. And his guitar was so out of tune. Now, they had been on tune for the road, but they never tuned it up. <laughs> and he's in the middle of a tune, you know, <laughs> strumming and, and he couldn't sing, couldn't, couldn't do anything. And so finally, at, but at the end of the number, they stopped the music. And Everybody applauded like it was the greatest thing they ever heard. So we we got another bit on it. Another bit, yeah. <laughs> Everything you guys were running across at that time, uh, you put into your act, and nobody had kind of found these characters yet. No, I mean these characters were really sixties characters. Yeah. They were cosmic characters. I mean, they really lived family. In, in, family. The, in the moment, and that's like Tommy was saying that we didn't really think about the future. We looked okay, we got to find a joint. <laughs> Before we actually do what we're going to do, we got to find a joint first. And that would be consumed, that would be their consuming journey. They would try to find a joint, and then it would lead them from one thing to another. We'd eventually get, there was a plot there. Yeah. Because we put it in after. Yeah. You know, but it was it was living in the moment. Well, even we came to L.A., uh, like I was kind of separated from my wife, but we had nowhere else to live, so we moved in with my wife and, <laughs> and two little girls, and my two daughters, and then, <laughs> and she put up with us. Cheech is on the couch, scene, and man. I'm, you know. It's really crazy how much Cheech and Chong are a Cheech and Chong movie. Oh, I mean, yeah, the yeah. whole thing is, oh. your stories are already, we kind of know your background from these fictional characters yeah. in your films. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. It's just a matter of repeating what happened <laughs> earlier that day. <laughs> I mean, it really is. Yeah, and that is a big way, uh, the way you guys write is just, hey, this funny stuff happened to well, us. Well, that's it. When we, when we did our records, the same thing. When we signed with Lou Adler, we're going to do our album. And so uh, Lou said, what do you need? And we said, a couple of thousand dollars and a tape recorder. Okay. (laughs) Give us a tape recorder. And the first bit we did, uh, it's burned into my memory because Cheech went outside to, he was going to be his character. No, we were recording it on the tape recorder. recorder. (laughs) I'm inside this nice air-conditioned room. She's out in the, in the outside, and it's in L.A. It's hot, about 110 degrees outside, and he's got a coat on and a hat because he's in costume, and he's knocking on the door, and every time he'd knock, I'd go, who is it? <laughs> and he'd say, it's me, man. I got the stuff. And I, I, I looked up at the door, and then I looked down at the tape recorder to see if it was recording, and there was no one talking, so I couldn't tell. And so I was staring at the tape recorder, wondering, well, is that on or not? And then Cheech knocked again, and I saw the needle jump. And so I thought, well, I'll do the bit over again. So I who is it? <laughs> and then I heard him. I heard the anger in his voice. He goes, it's me, man. You know? 
let me in. So then I just sat there and waited. <laughs> waited, waited. He knocked again. Then I said, who is <laughs> Then he Then he said, when he said, it's me, Dave, man. Well, Dave is a, was the first partner I had, and I knew he just grabbed that name out of the area. It's Dave, man. <laughs> let me in. I think the club saw me. And, and then when I said, Dave, and I could hear his voice, he goes, yeah, Dave, you know. Then I said, Dave's not here. <laughs> I swear, man. Well, you find starts banging. And you're kicking the door. I'm Dave, man. Come on, now let me in. I opened the door, and Chief literally was mad. He threw yeah. off his, it's hot, man. I could have died. I, you know. I said, listen, listen, listen. I played it back. I swear to God, Ron, well, we laughed ourselves. Roll on the yeah. floor. It was just. We kept playing it over and over again. <laughs> over and, it was so funny. Then we took it up to our producer who was upstairs. And he had laughed. On, so then we had to go in that night into the studio and recreate it because we just had a little Sony cassette recorder. And uh, and it was nowhere near what it was <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the original, but it still became famous and you were pissed off Adam and of course all of us have had to relive that right. with our fucking friends <laughs> over the years anybody who's named it <laughs> I had a friend I met a friend a guy who's a professor uh, at a uh, university Arnie <laughs> and Arnie tor tortures his wife they got a door and it's glass and it's locked and he'll be standing there and she'll be with groceries and she'll knock on the door and Arnie will go who is it and if she doesn't say Dave he won't let her in <laughs> and she looked at me oh, I hate that bit. Simple bit well the thing is doing that kind of material you and you're doing it in the studio it's much different than most comics have mm -hmm. to work yeah. where you're actually I guess doing it somewhat like a show, but you don't know how it's going to go over with the audience at first, yeah, I guess. No. We don't even think about it, man. Yeah. You know, our, our thing was, if it makes us laugh. Yeah. Right. And we'd get into our own world. Right after that, you know, Lou had the big studio, you know, and the engineer, and they're sitting there. And, and, and we're doing, okay, we we got that one, but okay, now we need another bit. Oh, okay. What is another bit? So we did, I think it was Blind Melon Chilling, I think was the next one. And I remember... Uh, uh, Cheech is playing Lou, basically. Blind baby. <laughs> he's, playing, he's playing the, hey, I'm blind baby. Here, you know? and, and we hadn't written the bed. So I, I'm i blind melon children, and I, I, I'm trying to be blind. So I'm in the character, and I'm kind of wondering and talking. And Lou says, uh, is that part of the bit? Uh, <laughs> what, what, what's he <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know. And, and and then then after we did blind, we we, we got through it. We said, you know, we we don't need a big studio, Lou, and we don't need a, a producer. We just need a, an engineer, and that's all we need. Yeah. You know, because the way we write, we'd show up and say, hey, "How are you doing? Yeah, good. Okay, what's up? How are you? How's everybody? I'm yeah, fine. Okay. You want to go eat? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we go eat. Yeah. Then we come back to the studio again. You know, maybe light a joint and sit around. Then one of us would have to go to the bathroom, and then we'd either me or Cheech, and then we'd, one of us would then we'd come out and say, "Hey, I got an idea," <laughs> and then we'd do it. Yeah, it was uh, we improved all those albums right in the studio as we did it. You know, we were just create. We didn't know any better. You know, yeah. this is this was our process. We just come in. Okay, you're this character, and I'm this character, and here's the situation. Go. 
and then we'd make a pass. Oh, that worked. Okay, let's do that again, and let's add it. And then we had the magic of the studio where we can't add layers. You know, the first we looked at it had a sixteen track. Oh my God, we can. You know, I mean, you, you look at those, you listen to those albums now because we're in the process of animating the early yeah, albums yeah, right. and the tracks are so much more sophisticated than the animation I mean the tracks are really layered there's a lot of background and noises there's voices there's you know there's a lot of stereo effects and they're they're very sophisticated and the animation is flash animation very kind of s simple and it's, it's it's interesting juxtaposition but we had nothing but time right. and we just you know we, we got influenced by everybody we ever heard and every radio play we ever heard Ken Nordine was a big influence and we just kept laying these 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 uh, uh, these bits and making them really rich. Uh, you know, for the folks who don't know who Lou Adler is, he's like the biggest movie producer at the time. If you, no, he was a record, record producer, right. he, he was the biggest record producer, record in, the producer world, yeah, in the world, and, and at the then time. started doing movies. But he. I mean, when you watch a Lakers game, he's the guy sitting next to Nicholson, yeah, even yeah. today. You can, only see <laughs> half, you can only see half of his face, but that's what they, <laughs> they cut it off. You know? he, he looks like Brian Miller Chillin. He yeah. wears dark glasses and a white suit and a beard. <laughs> but I, I mean, to hook up with this guy, when you guys you know, come from Canada there, every star is at his parties, and yeah, yeah. you guys were pretty much immediately... Uh, well, Lou was born in East L.A. Mm -hmm. I mean, he wasn't born there, but, he, but but they lived there in Boyle Heights. You know, so he knew when, when he heard us doing our bits. He, oh, I, I recognized that right away. And yeah. he was the only one. We we had uh, messed around with a Three Dog Night uh, management, Red Foster, and those guys. And there's Ted Templeman from Warner Brothers. You know, he was going to. In fact, the the one show was, that we did that Lou saw was for, Templeman, was for yeah. Templeman, but. You know, none of the suits knew what we were doing. Lou did. And then immediately you guys started opening for big rock bands and stuff. Right, right away. Which, yeah, right Which away. is really a difficult thing to do. Well, actually, we started, we started, before we met Lou, we were working for these gangsters that own a club called PJs. <laughs> and, and they would have us open for, for it, Cannonball Adderley, uh, uh, all the jazz groups. It was the Uptown Black Club in Hollywood, and we mm. were the house comedians. And so it was like Carmen McRae, Ray Charles, Lily Anthony Imperials, the Isley Brothers, the Whispers. Yeah. The and we were Edwin the first Star. act. And a lot of times, you know, like the pimps and that, they didn't want to hear no comedy, so they'd turn their back on us, you know, and then as soon as we get out there, halfway, not even halfway through the first bit, their their women are telling them, shut up, I want to listen to these guys. <laughs> yeah. And then we catch them. Yeah. Uh, and people like Peter Sellers immediately starts being the He guys. was one of our biggest fans. Yeah. We went to, we went to England. He, in fact, he brought us to England. And, we, and when we got to England, all of a sudden, they, they just got us right through immigration like nothing. And all of a sudden, boom, it just went through. They didn't even look at our passports. And next thing you know, we're in this courtyard, and there's a big white limousine there. And we walked up to the limousine, and all of a sudden, a hand came up with the biggest piece of hash I'd ever seen in my life. <laughs> and the corner of the hash was burning. He lit the corner of the hash. And that's, that's what greeted us. Mm -hmm. Peter Sellers. Yeah, that was Peter. And then, and then, he, then he took us around for a couple of weeks, and it went, came to all our gigs. And, and, uh, and, and he, was, he was funny. Kept in touch with him. He, 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 he had an alcohol problem, so he'd get really drunk. And, and just before we went on stage, we look out, and there's Peter. And he's got his head down, passed out <laughs> on the thing. And, but as soon as we got on stage and started doing his favorite bit, he said, 
<laughs> he, like, ah. he, he would never answer the phone in his own voice. <laughs> he, would, he would call us, and, and he always lived a code name. Uh, Leslie, one of our characters, Leslie. Leslie Horwinkle, called, and I'm in town. Call back. Okay, that's Peter. And so we'd call back, or he'd call us, and and and. And then he would answer in his houseboy's voice, who's Filipino. He call you back. Okay, cool. All right, Peter. Well, I know it's just you there. And then, and then you go to his house, and they had a really nice house on somewhere. And then you, uh, yes, uh, hi, Peter. It's me and Tommy. Oh, uh, Mr. Salas said, come in. And and you come in, and it was just him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> funny, funny man. Yeah. But was he doing that by choice, yeah. or could he not help it? Nah, he, was, he was doing that by choice, but I don't think he could he, help it either. Yeah. He, he was from a different planet. He was yeah. weird. He was into the I Ching. He was into uh, the feng shui. Mm -hmm. He would go into a, a hotel room and have him change the bed so it faced <laughs> a certain way. And yeah. He was weird. Yeah, he, was, he was funny, though. He would, But he knew all our bits, and he and his buddy would drive us around London in their, in their Mini Cooper and do our whole album yeah. and we'd be sitting in the back seat and the back seat of Peter Sellers is doing our album <laughs> yeah. yeah whoa yeah. well Peter was a drummer uh, originally and he was like uh, one of the best in, in he, he, he would go on the road by himself I think he was 15 16 years old and he was one of the best jazz drummers in in England you know and and then he evolved into the goon show and then he started doing that that's why and he he loved comedy he loved yeah. to laugh and he loved Cheech and Chong. Yeah. yeah, I mean, just such a brilliant mind to be into you guys so yeah. early. Yeah. had to make you really think, oh, yeah. right, this is not This is more than just fun for us right now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, you know, we, we never really, I don't think, I at least I never reflected on what we were doing at the time. No. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, you just did it. It was like, you're, we're on the ride, and if you stop and thought about it, uh, it would scare you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was just like climbing this ladder. We just kept going. We never looked down. Mm -hmm. yeah. we just kept That's going. How we made one album after the other album, and we were on the road constantly. On this, We'd record on the road, and then when we stopped that, we only just stopped it to write a movie and then started making movies the same way, yeah. one, six in a row, one after the other. We'd be in pre-production and post-production. It was just like... <sighs> constant. Constant. I mean, we put well, together like a 17-year run where we didn't stop working almost for a day. And when you guys went on the road for the first time, you had fans. I mean, a lot of comics, you know, have to go out and yeah, build this up. Yeah. But you guys had the album, yeah, the album showing up at every, I guess, FM station. <laughs> That's, it we broke. And, and different parts of the country, like uh, uh, L.A. would go for the lowrider. Right. And New York went for Dave, you know, for yeah. this paranoia. <laughs> yeah, I guess the East Coast, the lowrider character was the, the first chance the first that people time, yeah. had to, to really understand <laughs> well, that we culture learned, at all. We learned uh, what drugs not to do. We were in New York one time. We partied with everybody and did a little cocaine, you know, and, and the trouble with cocaine, it makes you think, oh, man, everybody's going to love us, you know. And then we, we went on stage at the bitter end. I'll Never forget it, man. We bombed basically. Mm -hmm. They weren't in, into the lowrider, and you know we had come from L.A. 
they're laughing at everything we did with Mexicans that in New York they're just staring at us. You know? <laughs> it was it was, and I re, I remember it, we weren't even off the stage and we we're having an argument. <laughs> oh man, we shouldn't have done that coke. Then we put that in the movie, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> coke, see, and I said, oh come on, man. Every time you, I do coke, you give me that. Every time I do coke routine, man. <laughs> So we just we decided that we were allergic to coke. Right, and we so did. we never did. It, it, it shrinks the membranes around your wallet. <laughs> yeah. so, Especially so. when you're a timing act like oh, you guys yeah. are. The coke just takes your timing off a little oh. tiny we bit. We decided and that not to do it. it. And we never did it after. Yeah. Yeah. We never so. did. No, we we stopped. That was the bitter end. That was yeah, a good place. And then we started having an East Coast kind of act, and then we had a West Coast act. And then, so you guys would actually adapt when you oh, came you had to. east. That's well, but the to. process was we called it finding the Omni Burger. Mm-hmm. It was the burger that worked everywhere. Yeah. In the south, east, northwest, and it's just this much meat, this much tomato, this much lettuce, that little bit of mustard, and they would get it everywhere. Mm-hmm. And and it took a process of years to find that. Okay, they didn't laugh at that. Well, how can we? They don't take it? you along. Well, you know, as a yeah. comedian, you know, you know, if, it, if they don't grab, if you don't grab them in the beginning, who right. can be a long night? You know? uh, particularly with you guys having set material. You don't get to suddenly go, all right, what else is You can't start talking to the audience. You're really locked in yeah, yeah. to yeah. these routines. Technically. Well, that's why the, the routines can be very flexible, you know, yeah. <laughs> especially in the clubs. You sure. know? We, we were really uh, a theater act. Yeah. You know, we weren't really a club act, you know, because a, a lot of times we'd have to. We our, our big bit was getting on our hands and knees, mm. and uh, the criteria was, uh, could they see us? It's a lot of clubs that you, you get on your hands and knees, you disappear. And and one time when we were in England doing uh, what was it, Ronnie Smalls, club? Ronnie Scotts, <laughs> Ronnie Scotts, Ronnie Scott, come out. We did the, the first act, the dogs, the first uh, act. We did the whole our whole show, and then Ronnie Scott comes in the dressing room. Said, very good, boys, very good. Uh, here's fifty quid. Don't do the dog. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, not to do that's worth seventy five. <laughs> it's nice to grace you a little bit before. Yeah, you exactly. the bad news. Very, very elegant, the way. Very, very, very gangster. Yeah, you guys. You know, you talk about working around the country, but most comedy acts haven't worked overseas the way you guys have. You've been to Australia, no. Europe, everything. <laughs> well, England, it's a trip. England. We, we, the worst show we did in England was a, a all girls school <laughs> show. I'll never forget it, man. It was like a fire. Drill. We we got up. And we started doing our our first bit, and all of a sudden they got up very orderly and started marching out. <laughs> <laughs> I said, hey, wait, wait! You haven't seen him where I plunk him in the butt yet. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Who booked that? All girls. Uh, P- Peter, that, well, you know the, yeah. the Booker. You know. Well, well, that's the trouble when you go to your when you go to England. You know, you play these these uh, you don't know country what, places. What you don't know. So you move the 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 albums are really successful. The tours are really successful. Everybody's coming out to see you. Richard Pryor thinks you guys are great. There's, that was know. a trip, man. Yeah. We we did the comedy store. This is after we did the movie. We did Up in Smoke, and then uh, we got kind of got uh, they misplaced our money somehow, you know, and our credit. And fact, and so Cheech and I were, you know, we were broke, and so we were, we had a number one movie, and we're out there hustling gigs, you know, and and back on the road again. And we did the comedy store. We did a week at the comedy store and every night Richard Pryor would be at the stage when we when we walked off stage he'd, he'd 
hold out his hand and help us down and say, man, you guys are great. You know? mm. yeah, it, was, it was nice. That I was the biggest. Was God, you know? It was the biggest compliment you could ever have. You know. Uh, was it tough for you guys to move into the movies? Did, did Hollywood kind of at first act like? Well, they didn't know what they, they had no idea, and they just they they couldn't get it, and so we had to basically put up our own money, which we didn't know about. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't know it was our own money, and and uh, and uh, and and do this movie, and 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 then they, then they knew, and then they they never knew. They, they, even they, then, even yeah, then, we had a number one movie, and Paramount wouldn't even meet with us, and we were with Paramount. Yeah. And the reason was, <laughs> yeah, he wouldn't even meet with us, you know. And Warren Beatty, I remember we were on the on the Paramount lot, and Warren Beatty stopped his car, and he, and he said, called us over, and he goes, you guys have no idea what you've done. Meaning that our first time out of the gate, we had a number one hit movie. Yeah. This is before it was released. He'd yeah. been in the, in the screening room watching it with Lou Adler, who was his buddy, and Pauline Kael, who was the, uh, the critic of The New Yorker. And they, they saw what it was. <laughs> And said, you have no idea what you've done. Said, well, thank you very much, Warren. And you're not as dumb as you look, either. <laughs> <laughs> but always had a. He's always had a really great oh, business yeah. mind about sure. Hollywood. Yeah. And you know, I mean, we almost at this time forget how like shocking. But when that movie opened, the opening scenes there. You'd see people stand up and run through the theaters. People were going crazy. Yeah, You'd never seen anything like that. Well, you know, if they'd seen hysterical. the rough cut, yeah, yeah. rough cut was probably the worst movie ever made. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because what happened? Lou Adler was directing it, and and uh, we're, we're kind of there, you know, telling them what to do. And a lot of times we had to say, no, 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 don't, don't, you know, strike the set yet. We got another bit we want to do. And we, we were writing as like we did our albums. And then all, there there came a point in the movie where Lou said, "Okay, I got it." And he's a, he, now he's the director, and so <laughs> so he he put a cut together that uh, I swear to God it was so bad. Paramount, the screening, all the Paramount guys were there, and, and they walked by us at the end of the screening like we were they were viewing a coffin. You know, they just looked at us. And when you do a bad movie, they don't want to go near you. You know, they just kind of look at and then they get up. They, they don't even they didn't even give us well, a nice movie. They just looked at us and just <laughs> filed out the door because his ending was it was all a dream. <laughs> the worst thing you could do in a movie, you know, all of a sudden it's all a dream. And none of that took, was real. And so we told Lou, hey, we got to rewrite the ending. The ending sucks, man. We got to rewrite it. And so we did. We rewrote it. And and I directed it and then, you know and that's when Lou and I fell apart and and it was the ending that we fixed that made the movie work because it it, it didn't take any it wasn't fantasy it was right. for real and it was two guys and, and the ending was very simple it was just us driving down the road saying hey man that was pretty good man you played good we had a good time yeah and then he drops a piece of hash on his crotch and the next thing you know he's ah you know and that was the end and and, and that that just made that fixed the movie uh, that and and then they fixed a lot of the other jokes yeah. that were, were weren't working. What was the, was the dream ending to kind of apologize for all the stoner humor leading up to yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. 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 Stacy shows up in in a in a cop uniform. Uh, and he's looking through the uh, the window and the smoke clears and he looks in and he's laughing. 
And it's like, uh, it was all a dream. That it all happened while we were parked at the car. When I was a sophomore in high school, oh. I had an English assignment. The teacher said, I want you guys to write a, 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 a one-page short story, just one page. Mm. The only caveat is that you cannot end it with, and then I woke up. <laughs> so, like, you know, that's, that's it's the most hackneyed cliche of any kind of writer. Right, right, you I have know. no idea. It, it really, it was like viewing a, a baby yeah, sure. and it's deformed, you know. Oh. <laughs> so especially with all the work we put into sure. it. You know, we knew that it was we there. We knew it was there, yeah. And so after that, uh, we, we parted ways, but you know everything worked out good. You know we never uh, pursued, we never did any legal thing or anything. You know we, we basically got screwed. But karma was so good. We we had such good karma that all, next thing I know, I'm being we're I'm being sued or we're, yeah, I'm, we're both being sued yeah. by our accountant. Yeah. <laughs> you know, who's, been robbing us. <laughs> yeah, who, who 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 he got screwed. And so he's suing us, and so in discovery, they found out all the hanky-panky that had been going down, and so then we got awarded, uh, first we got awarded a million bucks for for the, their lawsuit, and then our the insurance company that had to pay us, they sued Adler, uh, or uh, the, the lawyers, they sued the lawyers, and we ended up with like five million bucks. So we got our money. Yeah. yeah. Now, the, the thing there is you keep making movies and you guys are starting to make real money and you're becoming comfortable. Does that get in the way of comedy yeah. after a while? Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah, a little bit, yeah, because you don't have time for it. You know, you're off vacationing, you're off doing this or doing that or enjoying your life. We had never done that before. Mm -hmm. you know, we like we, we became rich stuff. hippies. Yeah. Mm. And, and dangerous. that's dangerous. You know? <laughs> <laughs> because if you're a hippie and the rent's paid for and you don't have nothing to worry about, you're not going to work. Right. <laughs> yeah. You're going to go play. Right. And that's what we did. Yeah. yeah, the stoner humor is really slacker humor from the beginning. It's mm -hmm. all about what's the least amount I can do and you guys worked really hard to, to do, do that, little yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then once you got it it had to be like why do I want to leave the pool in the house what, yeah but, why don't I well that's what we, we're on this road so much that our our help was enjoying the house <laughs> right, yeah. you know I, I remember coming home one time and, and and I had an orchard and I had a peach tree and I never got one peach, <laughs> but everybody else did. Oh boy, these peaches are great, and I'm going. Oh, I want one of those, you know. Yeah. Mm. Age kids at, are in the pool. At the end of the, at the end of that run, it was just really we had kind of run out of steam. We had been together twenty four seven mm -hmm. uh, for seventeen years, basically, and then yeah. we kind of. And Reagan was in power, you know, and, and it was a big anti. They were busting people for having a, a seed, yeah. on, and they were seizing yachts. For a joint, they'd find a joint on a yacht, and they would seize it. The government seized it, and I, I moved to uh, to uh, France. France. I wanted to raise my kids, and yeah, I wanted them to be bilingual, so they could be unemployed in two languages. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, actually, I'm sitting here thinking about it. It seems like after Belushi died. There became such an even anti-drug humor. Len Bias too. Len Bias was around the yeah, same yeah. time. He was the catalyst. And he but, died from an overdose of cocaine, and so right away it was a war on pot. You know? Right, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and uh, so that that got tough for you guys, and then just the exhaustion factor. Yeah, it was mostly the exhaustion factor. Yeah. Kind of. 
Excuse me, I got to sure. take this. This <laughs> is parole officer. <laughs> you can't talk about drugs on the radio. Okay? Violates your parole. Hello. <laughs> is this Josh? Oh, that guy. Josh? Yeah, you got a great time, man. I'm right in the middle of a radio show. <laughs> <laughs> say say hi to Ron Bennington. Uh, how you doing, Josh? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'll call you back. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hopefully later this ends up in a movie. Oh, <laughs> he attracts these guys. I mean, it's like... he's, he's the guy that did the documentary. Oh, yeah, the AKA, documentary. AKA, he AKA attracts these Trump. guys. I yeah. don't know where, how he gets them, but he gets them. Well, here's one of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, asked, I asked his wife, Shelby, how does he attract the guys? He, says, he talks to them. Right. <laughs> Nobody else will. Yeah, Tommy never uh, turns anyone away no. and there uh, they'll they'll put you in jail for that eventually yeah. <laughs> they'll decide um do you guys still have people want to smoke pot with you every day oh, wherever you go yeah, all the yeah. Time, yeah i mean you couldn't possibly keep up with the amount of <laughs> no we learned very early yeah Teach learned really early. <laughs> i remember one time when we were i think it was here was it here in new york no, it was akron ohio I come in and I said, we're having a party. Where's Cheech? Where's Cheech? So I went into his room and he's in bed. <laughs> and he's sweating and he's like this here. And there's this weird looking guy at the end of the bed. And I said, what happened? He said, well, I gave him some of this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> What is it? He's, I don't know. He's what he took at. <laughs> you know, in those days, oh, you, you take anything. You know? Right. But then, then I started to consider the source. Right. Mm -hmm. Oh, that guy's kind of messed up. Maybe I better not do that. <laughs> yeah, so, so yeah, as soon as they said this pot is treated, ah. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Because it always means angel dust. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what I, I, I did a uh, shot of angel dust one time. I was riding a scooter. Yeah. That's dangerous, man. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't figure out it. Am I driving or am I floating? I'm not sure. Oh. You learn, don't you, yeah, boy? You're young and bulletproof, you know? Yeah, sure, sure. Angel does, for the people who don't know, this is the stuff Hitler used to smoke early in the morning. Wow. Before he got his plans going. Whoa. Uh, so you guys are back together again. And doing the same kind of, still no heavy plans, or just letting this thing. Oh, we have a show that we do, but mm -hmm. it, it, it's very improv -y inside the show. We're like jazz musicians, okay? It's like, okay, here's the chart from Misty. Uh, let's go C, F, F sharp, blah, 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 blah. Uh, but every night we go out and play it a little at a different tempo sometimes. You know, it depends on how he's feeling, how I'm feeling, we throw in things. So it's, we'll get there to the ending and we'll play the, all, the, all the notes that are written there. And some extra ones. And the, just um, that process going on. The the, the 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 live nations, you know, the people that are putting on the tour, yeah. they they sort of they're directing us a little bit. You know, they need a new name for the tour, so we thought of this: uh, get it legal. Mm. You know, because we're it's so close to being legal now, and uh, and so we might as well, you know, if we're going to promote something, why not why not promote the legalization? And uh, that's been working really well. You know? Just a few years too late for you, too, I guess. <laughs> Not really. Uh, no, Mary Beth Buchanan resigned, you know. And her last words, her, they said, do you have any regrets? She said, my only regret is that I, I gave 
I accepted a plea from Tommy Chong. <laughs> I felt so proud of that, man. Hey, I promised these people they could ask you some questions. Okay, Still, sure. we'll let some folks ask uh, questions for Cheech and Chong. Hi, uh, Chong brought up, I mean, Cheech brought up before that you guys are doing animations of your old CDs, and I know you guys have some, done some voiceover work for animations and film. Is it? Are you guys as fulfilled when you do that, or do you like the live action stuff more? Oh, I love animation. I love do, doing that. It's just, it's a whole different kind of acting. It's it's like carving with a chainsaw. You know, you have to describe the character really loud because it and and big arcs because it has to come across screen and and be go through this filter of this drawn character. Uh, uh, I love it a lot. I think it's a it's a really particular art form, and we we we've been doing a lot a lot of it. Now. And you've done some major Disney things and yeah, uh, 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 Lion King and Cars. I turned down Lion King. I didn't want to. Well, Disney. I got kicked out of Disneyland one time because I was wearing a T-shirt of Bluto being humped by Mickey Mouse. You know? So I, I had a, a, a thing about Disney. But I, yeah, I like. I like. I love. I love animation. Animation is great because you don't have to, you know, go on the road. Just, just collect the checks. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, hey guys, uh, I'm a big fan of the South Park episode you guys did. Oh yeah. I was just wondering how Trey Parker and Matt Stone convinced you to do the show. Oh, they called us up and they said, "Hey, we were big fans of yours, and would you do this?" So what is it? It's like a Indian hair tampon. That sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, we do that. Yeah, I'm a big uh, South Park fan too. Yeah. Love them. Love those guys. They're crazy. We we feel, in fact, we we know we've inspired we inspired those guys. You know? well, I mean, that's kind of the challenge and the joy of it is going to the studio not knowing what you're going to do, and then kind of being in that moment and creating. My my hero in in that process was this guy named Wilton Felder, who was the uh, a saxophone player for the Jazz Crusaders, and he but he was a studio bass player, and I was hanging out with Joni Mitchell one time. She was doing an album we were in the studio. And Wilton Felder comes in to play bass on her track. And he walks in, and he has his bass case, and he hey, how you doing? This Wilton, hey, how? He opens it up, and he, and he listens to the, they play him the track, listens to the track, and goes, okay. Takes out his bass, plugs into the board, doesn't even go out in the studio. Roll him. Plays the song. Listens to it. Okay, thank you very much. Unplugs and leaves. <laughs> I want to be that guy. That's the guy I want to be. You know that he was so in tune with it, and then not even a second take. And Joni said, "Would you want to do it again?" No, oh, no, it was, it was good. <laughs> when you know you have it, you have it. You know. And I, I think that is also the thing too. Like you said, of people that you inspired, that I don't think you know most people watching would get it but there's certainly a lot to do with the improvised uh, improvised type material and just it doesn't have to be perfect yeah, yeah. to be really really funny well you don't want it perfect yeah you know, the the per perfection there's a lot to be said about perfection it's like when, if you're looking at fine art you know if you look at a monet you know, that's not really a, a per perfect flower, but it's but it, there's some soul there. You see, mm -hmm. because the soul isn't really perfect. There's a there's you know there's little blurry things around it, and that's what you want. You want the feel yeah. more than you know the perfection of it. And you guys and, knew that from the beginning. Yeah. Well, mm -hmm. that's what actually opens the door for the audience to be part of it, mm -hmm. as they put it, their interpretation on it. 
You know, I think all great art should have some degree of uh, of abstraction in it, uh, uh, so that the audience is is joined. And so, okay, I I'm going to put in the the definition of what that means to me, how to make it personal, and so uh, the, there should be some ambiguity in art, and that's the door that lets the audience in. It's so interesting too, because with your characters. No one ever says, I am like Cheech and Chong, but they always say, my friends. I have these friends <laughs> yeah, that yeah, are yeah. like Cheech and Chong. Um, my dad. I yeah, always right. that. The, uh, you remind me of my dad, man. You know what, what's odd? Some of your biggest fans I found out over the years are cops. Cops oh, yeah. always, well, you'll talk to them like, oh, I just picked up Cheech and Chong last night. Yeah. They always feel like those characters. My dad was a cop. <laughs> my dad was LAPD 30 years. Is that right? My uncle was the highest ranking Chicano in the LA, in the, in the force. He was, yeah. first, he was the first Chicano captain in the LAPD, uh, Captain Hollenbeck. Well, how did they feel about you being part of the loyal they opposition? It. They loved yeah. it. <laughs> they, 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 it was his entree into the juvenile delinquent community. <laughs> you know, really, because he worked juvie, and and he'd pull over these kids. Hey, you kids know you ever heard of Cheech and Chong? Oh yes. Yeah. Well, he's my son. Come here, talk to me. Mm-hmm. And they would, you know, when he wants some information. And so he he was that was it was okay. Hey hey hey, so can you sign these or sign, <laughs> sign a little bit more? Sign here, sign these things too. I'm gonna give them to the kids down there. So yeah, that was his deal. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Uh, hey guys, good to see you. Uh, I read somewhere that Dan Aykroyd uh, visited the set of uh, Cheech and Chong's next movie. Mm-hmm. They and did, that he, uh, Dan and uh, and Sean. Belushi. Oh yeah, and, and that he, Dan ended up directing a scene. I'm he directed one scene true. Uh, for us. Uh, it was uh, next movie where we're uh, peeing out the. Oh, the <laughs> into the ne- neighbor's yard, <laughs> and. and um, and uh, you could, if you if you slowed the film down, you could see uh, the the extra with a hose. Yeah, you know. <laughs> but uh, Dan said, "Leave it in, leave it in. It works." And okay, you know. And he said, <laughs> "You know, the, the, the little things like that saves you a lot of money because they, you don't have to shoot it again." Do you like it, Dan? Yeah. He said, "Yeah, no, leave it in. That works. That works." They were making Blues Brothers on the, at Universal same time we were making the next movie, so we were on opposite sets. And so we hang around with those guys a lot, you know. And they, and they had this big budget uh, uh, Blues Brothers movie where they were, you know, everything. Like that. And we were this little little film that you know, cost $7 million, I think, which was, you know, highly inflated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just curious. Could you guys envision yourselves making another... Chichi Chong movie to sort oh, yeah. of tell where these characters, uh, you know, we're going to end up. That, yeah, you know, right. that kind of so thing. we're in the process of it now. We're, yeah, we got a script. We're just sort of, the, the, you know, smoothing it out. Smoothing that, yeah. We're, we were going to call it Grumpy Old Stoner. <laughs> <laughs> we still might. I don't know. <laughs> we got a lot of... It is, it is picking up those guys, you know, now. many, many now, many years later. Yeah. What? Yeah. But they still have the same energy and they just fall right into it again. Mm. You know, I don't think we have this this line about this line of uh, of thought that goes through the movie where where we have been split up for a long time, so we're telling each other where we've been, and we don't really tell each other what we've been doing, just where we've been. <laughs> and, and, so, and so, you know, we'll hopefully the audience will, what were you doing in Bangladesh? <laughs> you know, and same thing with me, you know, so, and, and it's, but it's very Chichin Chong. There again, it, it opens the door for you to supply 
the personal meaning for you. And that's, you know, that's why you can watch these movies and hear these bits over and over and over again. It's not to get to the end, which where the payoff is. The the journey mm. is 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 the reward. Mm. Hi guys, yeah. uh, of all the Cheech and Chong movies, which are you most proud of? I'm proud of all of them, really, to tell you the truth. But uh, Up in Smoke is is like you know your your first uh, first time making love, so you always remember that, you know. <laughs> and it was a culmination of a lot of things we've been all everything we'd been doing up to that point, you know. So, and it was just it was just a magical thing. Everybody was into it. Everybody, every character, every single character was into it, and they were operating at a hundred percent. Yeah, it just seems like this is. It's going to be just as easy as getting the act back together, too. I mean, the the, the magic's here. You can see it right. today. Yeah. It's You know, we uh, try as we may to, to to get in the way of it. We just really can't. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's part of our DNA. Uh, the, the chemistry and, uh, that we have together, it's just... It's just it's it only comes on once a generation yeah. or twice a generation or once every other generation and it's why would we be together why yeah. would a chinese half chinese irish uh, english a uh, uh, Canadian come with a Chicano lowrider <laughs> who's hiding in Canada how would that work and yeah. how would those guys be the representatives of the hippie thing Hmm. You know that's that's the one that always cracked me up. It's the representative of the hippie thing was this Chicano lowrider and a, his half Chinese partner. Well, it's because we don't have an agenda. Yeah, no. that's what it is. You know, nothing's planned. You know, you just let it happen. We have a common frame of reference. You know, because our dialogue consists of being together twenty four seven for all those years, and we're always talking, and we always understood each other's frame of reference and our and our field of experience, you know. I grew up in a black neighborhood. It was everybody was black and then I moved to an all white neighborhood. Everybody was white the next day. <laughs> and he was in the black community for a long time with, with Motown and even in Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, just hung out. And uh, so we had that frame of reference and then our musical references were the same and now you know philosophical references were where we, we understood it. And so we we had the shorthand that we, we still do. Mm-hmm. And we can look at something and go, oh yeah, and that rem- and it sets off a whole a series of, uh, of memories that it's a shorthand, and we we don't have to think about it at all. You know, I, I, when I started smoking pot, for instance, uh, I, I it was you're not you were you were not supposed to smoke pot, uh, and I uh, was a Chinese guy gave me a, a, a joint and a Lenny Bruce record, and. That joint lasted me a whole month, and that's where I got my pot habit from, where I was very selective. You know, I, I learned from the masters. There's a jazz singer named John Hendricks, you know, Lambert Hendricks and Ross, and I w- watched him. Before he went on stage, he'd, he'd roll up a little, little bit of hash, a little bit of hash, and then he'd smoke that, just a tiny little bit. And, and that really helped me, you know, respect, you know, uh, what say pot could do because if you smoke too much you just fall asleep you know I mean if you smoke just right it will ignite the creative juices you know it'll take you into a into a whole other world you know and that's what that's what really got us 
focused in on it, you know, the, the pot, which is like the Beatles, you know. The Beatles smoke a little bit pot, and then they'd write these great songs, you know. And that's the same as Cheech and Chong. As soon as we got into the studio, we got stuck or something. It wasn't here, you know, we, there was no tension. There was It was always relaxed, you know, laugh, take it easy. Here, take a hit, take a hit. Hey, I got an idea, and then way we go and when it's funny you recognize it right away there's no you know you can argue all the way up to that point where it comes together <laughs> and then oh I didn't expect that either <laughs> oh that's funny that's, that's and then fun. there's no argument and you just keep on going but it's obvious and it's really apparent when it happens uh, well here's something obvious to me I've known Tommy for a long time and I've never seen him uh, as happy as he well, is being here good. with you, and it, it means a lot to all of us right, to have you guys you. back here. The legends, folks, Cheech and Chong. Right Thank Thanks so much. This is the best of Ron and Fez. On Ron Dog Comedy Hits. Yeah.